KUFO. Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Good morning to you. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five. And this the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming by and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy and robots. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101 this morning. 503 503- Two two eight four one zero one. If you would like to uh, engage with us via the telephone, five zero three two two eight four one zero one. If you want to text us, you can uh, do that as well. It's five two zero five one five two zero five one, or you can email Rick at rickemerson.com Rick at rickemerson.com Sarah with an H at kufo dot com. Tim at kufo dot com, or uh, Greg Nibbler can be reached at n i b l e r and he's uh, Nibbler at kufo dot com. We'll work backward. Coming up at uh, 8.45 this morning. Coming up at the end of the 8 o'clock hour later on today. The one and only Alice Cooper will be joining us. Which means, by the way... Holy muscle of love. I Thank you, Tim. I don't think Greg is really privy to this uh, to this information. But that if that does happen... Because we've come within like a hair's breadth of interviewing that guy like three different times. I think over the last 12 years, I have nearly interviewed Alice Cooper... Twice, and I think once had him actually booked and scheduled and ready to come on the program, and then he screwed us at the last moment. So there's some sort of a scheduling snafu the last time around. But each of us, I don't know, about uh, uh, maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago, I think each of the three of us put together a sort of wish list of our top three gets in terms of you know people we wanted to interview on the show. And it was, uh, you know, I think it was our top three. And then Tim had Walter Cronkite, now sadly unattainable. I forget who your other two were. Who were the other two on your list? Do you remember? You know, now I don't remember. There have been so many cel- celebrity deaths this year. Well, that's it. It's like... And I can't remember who's still here and who can still be interviewed. Most of the people from my childhood died this year. Oh, they did. <laughs> and, it's only, and it's only October, Tim. You have eight more weeks of sadness to come. I remember the Walter Cronkite was on your list, and I want to say Marie Osmond, but that might be wrong for that some reason. That is correct, reason. yes. All right. Walter Cronkite, Marie Osmond, which doesn't make any sense now that I think about it, but there was somebody else on your list, and I can't remember who they were. I can't remember. Sarah had Jim Steinman, Jason Priestley, and... Luke Perry. I'm sorry, Luke Perry. And I think Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan. Uh, I had Alice Cooper, Robert Plant, and uh, I think Stan Freeberg. And I, I don't know why I put Stan Freeberg on my list, because it seems like he probably is gettable. Um... In any event, so but the deal was that at the time I think it was Scotty who was uh, who was our PA. I think Scotty J was working, and that was that was I think uh, what two iterations ago. But the deal was if he was able to get any of those folks booked on the show, then it would be like a bottle of whatever it was that he uh, that he drinks, and he very nearly scored. And I forget what Scotty's drink of choice was. Anything? I think it might have been whatever was sort of sitting around in the studio or fridge. Um, but the deal was, if he was able to to get any of those folks booked on the show, we would sort of we would provide him a uh, a largish bottle of his drink of choice. 
So if the Alice Cooper thing does come together in the 8 o'clock hour, if uh, the good Lord does not intervene and thwart that in some fashion, which he has been known to do in the past, uh, then uh, for Greg Nibbler, it is a bottle of whatever whatever you drink. And what might that be, Greg? Really? Well, I'd have to think about that. Um Hmm. And don't go picking that thing that's got gold flakes or whatever. In there. Whiskey. You know, something is it? Yes, it would probably be whiskey. All right. <laughs> well, done and done. So that's uh, coming up at the end of the eight o'clock hour, Mr. Alice Cooper. Uh, the top of the eight o'clock hour, we're going to talk to the Real World Portland casting director. I, I should take that back. It's not the Real World Portland casting director. It is the Portland casting director for the Real World. Mm-hmm. Because the show, do we know where this next season is going to take place, or have they announced that yet? No, they've tried to have it in Portland before, and it was protested. <laughs> because everybody started... <laughs> How about it, Spokane? Would that be the real world? <laughs> That'd be classic. The last time they tried to do it here, isn't it where like people showed up with a bunch of shirts that said, like, F the real world? And yeah. they just like they stood in the frame all the time? Which is... I think so. You know, kind of a Portland thing for... Uh, no, for but they audition people from all around the country, so I think that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be here, but they probably want some Portland folks. Awesome. So uh, there's going to be a real-world casting call happening tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk more about where and when you can uh, take part in that. We're going to interview the casting director uh, in Portland for the real world coming up at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here at 7 o'clock to talk about the weekend box office. Ball talk with Greg Nibbler at 6 a.m. And uh, later on today, we're going to be playing our first installment, our inaugural edition of Busted Bingo. So if you do not have a copy of uh, Busted, the newspaper... Uh, you need to pick one up. You can find those at uh, plaid pantries or finer uh, convenience stores all over the city of Portland. If you do not have your copy of Busted, you got to pick one of those up. Got mine in my hand uh, right here, including a guy who is wearing an eye patch, and his name is Jackson Heathercock, which is awesome. And he looks just like a pirate. I mean, I know that it's not just the eye patch, it's the scraggly hair, it's the sort of roguish appearance it's the five o'clock shadow it's it is every it's just his generally um it's just his generally hooligan-like demeanor and his name is jackson heathercock so there you go pick yourself up a copy of uh busted the newspaper at some point uh this hour because starting at six o'clock uh, we're going to play today's uh, installment of Busted Bingo. So more on that here in just a moment. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Finally today, uh, a pair of tickets for you to see Pussifer. Now, the uh, show is coming up November 14th, and it's sold out. And it's sold out already. But we'll have a pair of tickets for you uh, to see that show at some point between now and 9 a.m. So be listening. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are you today? I love a new Busted. It's like Christmas. It really is. It's like Christmas every week. I haven't made it all the way through yet. I kind of need to pace myself. It's like Christmas with it's like Christmas with bad tattoos, poor comb-overs, and I don't know, and and just just some of the beadiest eyes you've ever seen in your life. I was looking through this issue, and I, I mean. I would swear to you that I've seen half these people walking down my street at one point or oh, another yeah. in the last 30 days or so. So They're, they're all in our neighborhood. You know really is a, there's a really pretty girl on the cover this week, too. There is. And there's... Have you seen that girl inside that looks like looks like her eyes are about to fall out the front of her face? It's a... She looks more wide-eyed and, you know, and awake than anybody I've ever seen in it. She wasn't busted for drugs. She was busted for burglary. But she's got those big, huge... Um, She's got those. Sugalas? Well, she's got those big, crazy lemur eyes that, uh, that, that, that what's her name? Zoe Deschanel has. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It looks like they're about to pop out the front of her face. So we'll talk more about that here in uh, in just a bit. How was your weekend, sir? It Dylan? was fantastical. How about yourself? Uh, you know, it was kind of low key. I didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, it wasn't as gross as I thought it was going to be this weekend. I thought it was going to be all rainy and stuff. Yeah. I, I just got some of, good scooter riding in. Awesome. I just sort of lurched close to home. I got a whole lot of, uh, I, got a, I did a whole bunch of laundry. That was the highlight of my life. I got a whole bunch of laundry done, and I went to Walmart to look at the Kiss Corner. 
That was it. That was the peak of my weekend. So I actually made time to drive to Walmart so I could look at a wide variety of merchandise that uh, Gene Simmons wishes to sell to me. It was just as awesome as you might expect. Wow. I made some notes to myself about it. We'll uh, go through those painstakingly later on. At the news desk, let's pay a visit to your personal savior, Tim. Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 5.08. It's going to be partly cloudy today. Highs near 60. We'll get to the uh, breaking balloon boy news in just a minute. But first, uh, somebody caused plenty of trouble in Loa over the weekend. A night of lawlessness ends up in the man in jail. He's charged with two attempted carjackings and trying to enter homes. It all began with a guy trying to steal cars and break into homes in one neighborhood late Saturday night. A woman said he tried to carjack her, threatening her with a gun. She just rolled up the window and drove away. Then, seconds later, a 911 call came in about the same guy, later identified as Billy Gein Ryan. Yes, his middle name is Gein. He allegedly broke into a home, threatened to shoot the resident if they didn't turn over the car keys. He was told to get out. He did. Then Ryan allegedly threatened to shoot another man on the street if he didn't turn over his car keys. He, too, refused Ryan's order. Then Ryan then allegedly enters an apartment and offers the resident $5,000 for his car. The man refused and Ryan left, walking to another house where he allegedly took a cell phone and a Gatorade out of a car. He was seen drinking the beverage and asked the resident if he'd seen the man that the police were looking for. And then the man recognized he stole my Gatorade and cell phone. And the guy takes off running down the street. Seconds later, another woman calls 911, said she found Ryan sleeping in her car parked in a garage. He apparently woke up quickly and was spotted on Southwest 198th Avenue and was chased down, finally captured. His bail, $250,000. I'm so confused. So he was trying to carjack, but doing a really poor job of it, first of all. First, everyone turned down his orders. Because he should get out of the car. No. Give me your keys. No. No. Give me your car. No. Oh, no. Come on. No. I, uh, crap. So the answer was no everywhere. So he really had no, but he had no follow up. In other no. words, he had no second act when he came up and demanded that they leave the car and then they would just sort of politely decline. He just and left ejected every time. He would just sort of stare blankly and then they kind of blink real slowly and shuffle on to his next would-be victim. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, All in the same neighborhood. So it didn't take long for the, uh, the lawyer to go on television this morning because we're on East Coast time here and that's the way the news cycle goes. So the uh, balloon boy's dad, I guess, and mother's lawyer, his name is David Lane and he spoke out uh, just moments ago. And he says his clients have undergone polygraph tests. The sheriff put both of them on a box, and uh, they have not shared with us whether or not they passed or failed. They failed. That's there's. I mean, totally failed. That the, at the polygraph test, at life, at this hoax, at raising their children, at everything. So there's no reason for these uh, clients to face public arrest, says the lawyer. I think it's child abuse for law enforcement to slap the cuffs on a couple of parents in the presence of three kids and haul them off to jail when those parents are facing low-level charges and have expressed a willingness to turn themselves in. I wonder if getting this family as a client is sort of, if, if that's good or bad news. You know what I mean? Because on the one hand, the dad is clearly a nutcase. That's just my constitutionally protected opinion. And also, the, I mean, and there's no winning this, right? I mean, there's, there's, no. there's no good outcome to this. Because, uh, I mean, the worst stuff is coming up. As a matter of fact, uh, I noticed uh, one little part of this kind of story nobody talked about. The cops Saturday tried to persuade the mother to go to a safe house adding that Richard, quote, has somewhat of a temper. Unquote. Yeah, no, he seems, uh, yeah, he, he seems like he could probably go nuts with it just at the, at the drop of a hat. I mean, because he's described himself as an amateur scientist, a meteorologist, and 
Here is another way that a reality show goes down the drain by failing to investigate all this crap. Yeah. That was crap on the first. So these reality shows don't investigate anything. He was not a professor. He was not a scientist. He was not a meteorologist. He only had a high school education. And these, uh, they, this couple concocted this going way back to their acting school days in Hollywood, Hollywood, California, Hollywood, USA, where all the sin comes from. <laughs> I didn't realize that until I saw that on the news this morning. That they, and I thought that they were kidding when they said, well, this couple met at a Hollywood acting school. And I thought they were, like, I thought that was sort of, they were just saying that as like a figure of speech. You know no, what no, I mean? Like, when, acting school, you yeah. know, where they sort of like a match made in heaven. Uh, you know, it, I didn't know they actually literally met at a Hollywood acting school, which I think tells you everything you need well, to know. Well, there's no one who's ever not been to Hollywood who has not gone to an acting school. Bringing so. their California values, Tim, to That's the rest of happened. the country by force. And by the way, it cost uh, $14,000 to put those helicopters in the air to rescue that boy. So, yeah, it was really strange. Jesus. I, I guess they're... Uh, they're conducting some experiments on this, well, balloon, which is held together with duct tape, which really isn't a balloon, which couldn't have held the kid in the first place. Based on the accurate information and the accurate weight of this device, we now know that it was not capable of lifting off. Wow. And he would have gotten away with it, too, if it hadn't been for that meddling kid. I wonder how much the it dad... Was just, it was just a bucket <laughs> from, like, Home Depot. That was that thing at the bottom. I mean, a Home Depot bucket that you haul away trash in cannot hold a boy. Man, I, how much does that dad hate that kid right now? I mean, just seriously, I wonder if the dad just sits and replays that Wolf Blitzer moment in his head over and over and over and over and over and over and over every night while drinking himself to sleep. But but if you think of all the years that they concocted this and waited for this exact moment to spring this, and all of a sudden, how old is this kid? I, I've, he's like eight, six, so, six. So... They concocted this like six years ago and waited for this moment to pull it off. And finally, six years of con jobs <laughs> go down the drain. I mean, their lives have been based on this big con that they plan to execute at this moment uh. with this kid, probably since the day he was born. And all of a sudden, the kid opens his mouth and ruins their six years of work. Well, that's what children do, Tim. They ruin things. Uh, best laid plans of all kinds of adults. Uh, you know, plans for happiness, plans for a better life together, ruined by children. It's 503. That's really their only skill is ruining things. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up later on this morning, scene of radio. kids rapping and talking about being not being pussified. And also that. Plus, Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Stay there. We're back after this. The Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show. In mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. On Rock 101. KUFO. Emerson Show and Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Busted Newspaper at some point uh, this hour, starting at 6 a.m., the inaugural edition of Busted Bingo. We'll uh, be describing that here in just a uh, few minutes for you. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up later on, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles about... The downfall of the Balloon Boy family. Uh, a pair of tickets for you to see Pussifer when they come to town. Uh, the Roseland on November 14th, a sold-out show. But we'll have a pair of passes for you at some point before 9 a.m. And Alice Cooper coming up later on in the 8 o'clock hour of the show. With the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth. 
This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 525. We can expect mostly cloudy skies today, highs near 60. Well, authorities are not concerned about the safety of the three balloon children, ages 6, 8, and 10. Authorities spoke with the mother at length about domestic violence and the children's safety, and they tried to convince her to leave over the weekend, but she would not do it. A 911 call was made from the home earlier this year that led authorities to a suspicious circumstance that the sheriff said involved domestic violence, perhaps against the wife. Uh, but their attorney said there is no reason to believe they're anything but loving parents. So <laughs> we have some more sound here. Uh, let's see. Where do we go from here? We have several things. Uh, the balloon boys, a uh, dad got mad at Meredith Vieira when he was, uh, let's see, he talked to her, I think it was Friday. So let's see here. Where do I have that? Okay, let's hear this one. Was this a hoax or a publicity stunt? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And now I'm starting to get a little ticked off because uh, I, I'm repetitively getting asked this uh, the last couple of interviews. And um, I mean, what have I got to gain out of this? And I'm not selling anything. I'm not, I'm not advertising anything. My family and I, we do this all the time. You know, we're always uh, doing some kind of uh, scientific research. We're always building something together. Um, I teach my kids how to shoot cameras. Uh, you know, it's highly educational for my boys. So, um, no, I mean, absolutely not. This is not some kind of a hoax. Those are very disjointed talking points. And the best part is how he had that huge... Did you see how he put the cardboard box on the front of his porch over the weekend? That was where he decided all the reporters had to ask their questions. Because I'm going to put a cardboard box on the front porch... And if you have questions, you just leave your questions in the box. I'm going to be inside. <laughs> just sort of shut, and yeah. they just got to shut the door and hid inside. I could just sort of see him. You could picture him standing inside the door, kind of peering out, squinting out uh, through the people, sort of angry, angrily at the world. That guy's awesome. He's my new favorite person. Well, then you should like this one, too, because he's posted several YouTube videos all along. Uh, most of them have his kids doing antics. But some have him alone commenting on the uh, the pop culture items of the day. And this one, Richard Haney, or Heaney, uh, complains about Britney's fake boobs. I got a few other things that I want to talk about that are fake and real. This is bothersome to me. Like Britney Spears, she was a cute young lady, right? Really talented. Well, some people beg to differ. But the point is, she had it made. She's on stage. She looks great. And then next thing you know, uh, I think she gets some fake boobs. And that part, I don't know. Fake or real? The point is, women who go get the fake boobs, I mean, there's too many of them. Really, we need variety. you got to spice it up. You know, Make it so that like it's a rare thing instead of like, everybody in the assembly line getting a set of boobs. And I don't find that attractive. I mean, the boobs, fake, I think. What do you think? Fake or real? Which is better? What is happening here? Do why some more blow, buddy. Why, why is this? Why, why did that just happen? I know what happened. Why... He offers commentary on YouTube. I don't understand. Coming up a little while, he'll talk about... So he doesn't like boobs, so I guess he doesn't have to worry about that anyway. But um, he also doesn't like women wearing makeup. This is the... Wow, okay, let's just let's stop for a second. Yes. This is the balloon dad. Balloon dad. And by the way, Richard. I do like the idea that we can now just balloon, refer to them all as balloon kid, balloon boy, balloon dad, balloon mom, and everybody knows exactly who we're talking about. All right, so... This was just a YouTube video. In other words, this wasn't just like over the weekend. This was something he recorded at some point in the past, part of his ongoing series of editorial comments yeah. on American society. Uh -huh. 
Because uh, because people want to see him. Because of course, because they don't see him enough of him on television. <laughs> because after you don't wife have to swap, be on television be seen. Everybody was demanding to know his thoughts on the world at large. Mm-hmm. And can I just, look? Can I just say what we're all thinking? I mean, we all know what kind of guy this we're is. We're just beginning to scratch the surface. We of have this. all known guys like this. Everybody has known a guy, or maybe especially. And I hate to say this. I it makes me feel like I am it makes me feel like I'm betraying trust to say this sort of thing. But if you work in talk radio for any length of time, which of course you know we all have here, if you work in talk radio for X number of years, you meet guys like this all the time. Especially if you work in any sort of political or you know any any talk radio that focuses on. Like libertarian politics, if you work in talk radio that focuses on anything the paranormal, you meet guys like this by the bushel. And they are all guys that feel wronged by American women somehow. And so, I mean, look, I mean, it's just, it's just a fact. I mean, I know it, you're talking and they're about. all like these embittered, angry white guys who fancy themselves scientists and brainiacs. And they all, like, import some chick from, like, Malaysia. Uh, because, well, you know, because American women seem to have an attitude problem. And they're all gussied up and won't talk to me. And so then they get they get some woman shipped over in a box from some other country. I'm not saying that's what he did. I'm no, saying she, she was already there. Apparently she was enrolled in one of his acting. Oh, no, I don't no, no, know. No. I don't I, know if they enrolled together or if she was already there. I'm not claiming she was mailed here in an envelope or anything. I'm but, saying but I'm... She had already been mailed. <laughs> Before he met her, the mailing happened pre uh, pre this guy. I'm saying that you meet a lot of guys like that, though, mm-hmm. and he does seem to fit into that. He fits into that sort of w- th- th- weird, fancies himself a modern day Renaissance man, little too smart for this American society in which I'm imprisoned. Uh, kind of guys that you meet in the talk radio world all the time. Uh, and you just and you know if you, if you go to their house, there's like a wife who looks at the ground a lot and won't make any eye contact and doesn't like to talk to you and speaks when spoken to and a bunch of kids who are just you know can't wait to to be 16 so they can bolt for freedom somewhere. And that in the basement, he sits there and mutters angrily to himself, like, "Stupid America, stupid doesn't appreciate my little regret this later building a doomsday device." That I, there are only 12 kinds of people in this world, and this guy is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've met him over and over and over again with various different names over the years. One of those guys was my roommate before. Really? Yeah, I had a, I had a crazy roommate who had... Um, a, was this the guy when he lived... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> what were you just mouthing right there? The name of the... The name of the... the what street I was living in. Yeah, with the, uh, the house. Yes. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he was totally one of those no, he's guys. Totally one of them, and yeah. he had he had the silent, soft-spoken, you know, like Japanese girlfriend who never said anything, who never yeah. only spoke when spoken to. Yeah, no, and it's and that does and that does seem to be a fixation that they all have the uh, the scientific creations that are going to revolutionize the world if if only people would listen. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, I suppose at this point that nobody cares that Roman Polanski isn't feeling well. No, seriously, f him. Well, his client says that Roman Polanski is worn out. No, I mean literally F him. I mean hold him down and F him with something sharp. It was taken from a Swiss jail to a hospital for further medical tests. I guess you don't need to have insurance in some parts of no. the world. Again. No, Tim. No, you don't. That's because they're a socialist country that loves rape. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up uh, at 540, we would love to see in our radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. About this uh, this nutcase, uh, the clerk that wouldn't issue the interracial uh, marriage license, you know, because he was oh, afraid yeah. about the, wall, the fall of Western society and so forth. Uh, coming up later on, Jim Roop and Alice Cooper. Stay right there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO.
And good morning to you. It's the Rick Emerson radio program live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. If you have not obtained your copy of a busted newspaper, you must do so now. Coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, we're going to begin our inaugural installment of Busted Bingo. I'm going to put the uh, rules here up at uh, rickemerson.com in just a moment, but it's very simple. About every 15 minutes or so, we are going to list off a crime or a violation or an offense of some sort. If you can get three in a row, in other words, if you can uh, take any of those crimes we list, and if you can find three in a row, up, down, cross, diagonal, whatever, doesn't matter. If you can then call up and tell us what page and what mugshots you were using to get your three in a row from the new uh, issue of Busted Magazine, which is the, uh, this is uh, October, Volume 4. This is October, Volume 4. On the front, it's just... The front is sort of a uh, the front is sort of a pinkish beige color, and there's just a big picture of a handgun, and then what looks to be a pool of blood at the bottom. That's will be able to you'll be able to spot it. It's the uh, October edition, volume four. So we will list off a crime every 15 minutes, uh, starting at 6 a.m. If at some point today you are able to find three mugshots in a row using the three cri- uh, three of the crimes we have listed, you just be the uh, first caller to do so at 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. 4101, and you will win something shiny from the KUFO pile of stuff. It's 503-228-4101. That is uh, starting at 6 a.m., so you can pick up your copy of Bust of the Newspaper at uh, finer convenience stores all around Portland. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 544. It's going to be partly cloudy today. Highs only in the mid-50s. Aggression barroom brawl ends with a shotgun wound to the chest. 27-year-old Johnny Brown is in stable condition. Shell casings <laughs> were found on the barroom floor. 24-year-old Anthony Desmond is in custody. Two are safe after a boat capsizes in the Columbia over the weekend. This is a 20-foot powerboat that flipped over near Lemon Island, which is near the Washington side. Two prominent businessmen are back a new plan to oust Mayor Sam Adams. Big names, too. Auto dealer Ron Tonkin. And Columbia Sportswear CEO Tim Boyle will bankroll another attempt to rid the city of the troubled politician. We'll see if that works. Now, I thought that that was, I, I guess I don't understand. This is another that. try. I mean, apparently, if they're doing it, it must be legal. But I just, I'm, un, I'm unclear about how, how that is happening then. In other words, I thought that this... In other they words, open their wallets and there it goes. But I thought the deadline was that they had to have gotten it done by November. I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's only halfway through and, October. Then I guess they can start another one, I suppose. Maybe. Well, I'll have to... Well, I'm, all right. I'll wait and see how that turns out, I suppose. Two Halloween costumes have been pulled from Target stores and are no longer being offered online after a slew of complaints that they're distasteful. The illegal alien adult costume consisted of an orange jail-like jumpsuit. Are you kidding A me? space alien mask and a fake green card. The illegal alien mask with hat costume included a space alien mask... A door with a black mustache and a ball cap. Some please, stores report steady business with a costume. Please tell me it actually said illegal alien costume. <laughs> I don't know if it's in it or not. Uh, let's see. Oh, I guess you can still get it at Amazon.com if you try it. I'm looking it up right now. Illegal alien costume. But, I mean, was it actually called that or was that just the sort of... I mean, was that the implied name of the costume? That's what it says here. Quote, illegal alien adult costume, unquote. Uh, hold on. But it's an actual space alien. It is. Hold on. Illegal... So Walgreens and Amazon.com still offer it. Illegal alien costume. First result. All right. Hold on a second. Here we go. I am looking at it right. Wow. wow. (laughs) So. Wow. It is just as you described it. I mean, I guess I don't know what I expected it to look like. It's just like an Orange County Jail jumpsuit. 
And then the sort of, you know, the standard alien gray head that, you know, everybody, you know. The, 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 Are you the, uh, one I'm seeing with the pink hat and the big mustache? The, the balloon dad. I'm actually, I'm looking at the first one that came up, which is just, this is just an orange jumpsuit. And then it's an alien head of the sort that the balloon dad guy probably would uh, would believe in. And then he is just holding a huge, big green piece of paper that says green card on it in big letters. Yes, you can own this for just $70. God, America's a weird place. All right, here's Tim Riley. So uh, the latest uh, Balloon Boy stuff, and this keeps getting updated every few minutes to the surprise of no one. The sheriff wants the co-conspirators to turn themselves in. At least there's one. Uh, he says these folks are absolutely willing to turn themselves in. So uh, the, the lawyer said there shouldn't be any problem about it. In addition, draw, drawing up possible felony charges against Heaney. Who are the co-conspirators? They're not saying. But, but I mean, it, it involves at least one guy. That was the guy in the Gonker story. Oh, the guy right, the Thomas guy that 25. said. And then I saw him on the news, and I knew that this was the same plan we because had discussed. He apparently, let's see, we certainly know there's a conspiracy between husband and wife. This from the Lane County Sheriff. Right. So there is a conspiracy between husband and wife. You've probably seen some of the emails and some of the things on the internet suggesting there may be other co-conspirators. Uh, the sheriff said documents show that a media outlet had agreed to pay money to the Heenies with regard to the balloon incident. They don't name it, but Gawker said it's not them. So uh, here's what I don't understand. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that this guy is not a loon. Clearly he is. That's just uh, that's just my opinion, of course. But when they're talking about how the guy had ha like hatched this whole scheme, right, that he had created this whole plan because he was going to try to use it to rustle up some sort of publicity, mm -hmm. what exactly was... What was the outcome that the dad, in other words, let's, I guess the outcome was supposed to be a reality show. Okay, well, okay, that I get. I mean, I get that they were on the reality show once already, and so they were then hoping to, you know, to have that happen again. Yes. But let's assume for the moment that the kid, that the kid had not sort of squealed on everybody inadvertently on, on Wolf Blitzer. What was the dad thinking was going to come at this? In other words... As it turned out, with the balloon being spotted, everybody thinking the kid was on board, and then they find the balloon safe and you know without without the kid on it, was that what the dad actually wanted? Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, well, did the well, plan well, itself go wrong? Yes. Or, well, the the plan itself would have gone wrong without the kid saying anything because, like, if you remove the the kid saying that they, phrase they, on Wolf Blitzer, is that was that is that then exactly how the dad wanted everything to go? Yes, but. The problem is, once the investigators got this flying saucer and took a look at it and found that it, as they found out yesterday or over the weekend, that it would not hold a 37-pound boy, then that would have been enough without the kid doing anything. That, see, that's my question. Is So if you can somehow, if you could go back and magically take out the kid squealing on CNN and, and, and saying that thing about, we did it for the show. Then this would have been the deciding factor. It still would have, it still would have fallen apart then because they would have, because they would have examined the balloon and they would have come to the conclusion it never could have carried the kid and it, that the dad would have known right. that. It is a thin mile hour balloon covered with foil held together with duct tape and a couple pieces of wood and a, and a bucket at the bottom. So that would have unraveled the whole thing. And they probably knew that going into it after, you know, they brought this back to the lab right after this incident to investigate it. So they would have known that within an hour. So Any scientists would have known that within, within an hour that this couldn't carry the boy. Now they let it unravel a little bit more by, you know, pretending that they're on their side after the kid tattled on them and Larry King. But had they not made the Larry King appearance, this investigation of the balloon 
So would have been would have been enough to hang them, which this, it already is. People like this just fascinate me. So let's project ourselves into the brain of the guy for a second, into the balloon. He dad's believes head. that he is a scientist when he isn't. So and let's, a meteorologist, which he isn't. <laughs> there are two things here. There's a whole lot of things he believes himself to be that he is not. So and let, because somebody me, called his bluff from the reality show days, claiming that. Obviously, these reality shows don't investigate. Their, they would have found out he's not a, not a scientist, not any of these things. So because he got away with that, he thought he can get away with more. So from his perspective, what is his, uh, how is he thinking? Because this I is, am a scientist and a meteorologist. Right, but how is it, but in other words, in terms of getting them publicity and getting them a TV show. Well, he wanted, like, empathy. What is his chain of events? That's my question. Is like, in All other words. attention, like, look at this wonderful invention that I made. Give me a reality show. Is that is that is it just I that would, simple? Do you think like that's the chain so. of events? Like from his I'm perspective, I'm actually kind of freaked out for his family, for the children, and for the wife. Like I think they should get away from him. Like he might be trying to find some other way to get attention, Seriously. some other way to get sympathy. Oh, because obviously he sounds like he's not handling it well. He's definitely mentally unraveling. And um, if he already is known to have a temper, and the kid is hiding in the first place because quote dad yelled at him, yeah. like you need to get that family. So he might be trying to find. Uh, he might be trying to dream up some other way that America would feel sorry for him. Oh. Right. He's been buying a lot of suitcases. Because of all this attention whoredom. But yes. Balloon Boy's dad is obviously some creepy fame whore. Because when he lost the kid, he said the first place he wanted to search was the Octomom. Now, <laughs> but the father was insisting that this is not a publicity stunt and he was not looking for attention. And he made that point on Larry King, the Today Show, the early show, <laughs> Good Morning in America, and as a guest designer on Project Runway. So I think, who is he kidding? This is John and Kate plus Inflate. <laughs> All right, that's funny. That is funny. So the dad is sitting there, uh, you know, a year ago or whatever, and he thinks to himself, the chain of events is, A, I will build a balloon. B, I will launch the balloon. C, I will pretend that my son is in the balloon and I am panic-stricken. D, everyone will feel sorry for me. E, I will get on television. F, they will give me my own show. G, profit. Is that it? Is that yeah. like his... America will rejoice at the safe return of yes. the boy. That is his theoretical chain of events. And, and, and who knows that this might not... This still might be the outcome. See, I mean, that's, and that's that's exactly what I was thinking this weekend is like, do you suppose that in some way he is actually happy like with this? Like, that this outcome isn't the one he anticipated, but he'll still take it? The end result may be the same. Like, if, we get, if you went to the dad right now and you said, look, we can wave a magic wand, we can make this entire problem go away, but... All of the, but but it will like, but it'll be just be gone, and no one will know who you are. Do you suppose that he would still pick this outcome the way it is right now over uh, just being unknown? But you know what? I think that law enforcement and the media are now conspiring to destroy them, so that might not be possible. This may be the first ever total destruction. Ah, well, we can always hope so, Tim. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at the top of the hour, Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk. Uh, plus, we will launch our inaugural installment of Busted Bingo. So be clutching your brand new issue, won't you please? Later on this morning, we'll talk to the Portland casting director for MTV's The Real World and rock star Alice Cooper. Stay right there. Back after this. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland!
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up in just a moment, Greg Dibbler's Ball Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Be listening for that. Coming up at the 7 o'clock this morning, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. We'll talk about the weekend box office. The Portland casting director for MTV's The Real World joining us at 8 o'clock and at 845 Mr. Alice Cooper paying us a visit. Also, uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. And in just a few minutes, we'll begin uh, today's installment of Busted Bingo. So be clutching your issue of the latest copy of Busted Magazine. That is uh, the October edition, Volume 4. Here's how you uh, play the game. You pick up the latest issue of Busted. Again, it's Volume 4, the October edition. Starting here in just a few minutes, we will announce one crime or offense in every segment of today's show from 6 till 9. If you can spot three mugshots in a row, which are across, down, or diagonally using the crimes we've mentioned, and you are the first caller to uh, list these for us, you will win something shiny from the Rock 101K UFO prize tag. So, uh, Busted Bingo begins here in just a moment. Is Tim there Riley's... a happier moment uh, opening a brand new Busted magazine? No, no, there no. isn't. It's uh, it's like some sort of felonious Christmas. It is Sarah. amazing. It's magic every time. I uh, I picked mine up last night, actually. I was stopping by the plaid pantry on the uh, on the way home to. Uh, I was like, so I was. I think it was. I think it was buying a visa or something in advance because I I sort of anticipated that I was going to be up late last night because of Dexter and Californication and Mad Men, which I, and I actually didn't even get Mad Men watched, but uh, but I kind of knew that I was going to be up late and therefore kind of dragging ass, as my dad used to say this morning. So I stopped by the plaid pantry preemptively to buy a visa last night, and then I. Uh, Myself, the brand new shiny uh, busted magazine featuring Jackson Heathercock, who looks for all the world like a pirate on the the page uh, seven. It's kind of amazing looking. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Tim Riley's tracking these stories for you on your Monday morning. The Balloon Boy Sheriff says America was duped with mylar and duct tape. The Balloon Dad in the video claims about women wearing makeup. The Balloon Boy and his brothers rap about not being pussified. Okay. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk. I'm sorry, what was that? Hello? Are we on there? There we go. Yes, decidedly not pussified. I'm Greg Nibbler. Let's talk balls. Oh, All right. (laughs) Major League Baseball news. The Yankees are up 2-0 on the Angels, and the Phillies are up 2-1 on the Dodgers in their respective series to see who gets to go to the World Series. In college football... I was slightly off about a couple of predictions this weekend, only mildly incorrect. Uh, Texas, I got a lot of emails about predicting that Texas would lose, unfortunately, to Oklahoma, and they did win, which I'm happy about because that means Oklahoma lost, so overall, it's a win for me. Um, Iowa, Sarah's Iowa Hawkeyes, have uh, actually won. There were, there were some angry emails regarding that one as well, but I will tell you, they are overrated, they will lose, and your, your season <laughs> will end horribly, so I will still end up. Are you Correct. trying to, like, will it into existence by saying it so forcefully? I'm merely predicting what's actually going to happen. I'm merely speaking no. the truth. No. I'm going to keep wearing that shirt for luck, then. <laughs> so, there you go. Well, you, you got it this weekend. So, uh, Florida's great. By There's a bunch of stuff, though, that actually made me a lot, made me very happy this weekend. That was Nebraska lost, which I've been predicting for a while. So, there you go. Crying Cornhusker fans. So the rednecks are going back home, bawling their eyes out and beating something, I'm sure. Uh, Ohio State lost terribly to Purdue, which was awesome. But here's Here's the thing that really sucks this weekend. The BCS standings came out, which, of course, determined who's going to be in the national championship game. They determined pretty much everything, the bowl placement for all of this. And it's this convoluted system of multiple polls and this uh, mathematics system that anyway uh, calculate the rankings. And Ohio State 
at 5-2, and two, losing to Purdue, a terrible, horrible team, really is, is Ohio State is still ranked number 19. That's right, because they're Ohio State. Somebody will probably put them in the national championship, and they will get blown out again. And it just, it, I, it's comical, but at the same time, it infuriates me. It really does make I me mad. I can tell that it's kind of fi- filling it's, it with a totally it, disproportionate rage. It's really angering. I, there's no reason they should be there. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. <laughs> it's wrong! It's just wrong. It's a further reason they need a playoff in college football. All right, that, that's my BCS rant. Uh, in NFL news, there was a lot of good games in the NFL. Minnesota barely beat Baltimore with a last-second missed field goal. It was a, it was a good game. Uh, the Giants also lost this weekend, but it's okay because they're going to be winning the Super Bowl, and that's all that really matters. So that's uh, that's all that really matters on that one. Uh, Tom Brady. Wow. Even I know about uh, Tom Brady today. <laughs> it, is it possible that he is, in fact, not human, but is like some NFL-playing sex bot from the planet godlike that's the thing it's just it's not fair i mean he could just he goes out there it's like a snowing game he's been coming back from an injury he should be sucking this year and yet he goes out and throws five touchdown passes in one quarter something that's never happened in the nfl and here he is after the game after this amazing accomplishment this is what he sounds like we've won a lot of big games around here we've played well on offense for a long time and and you know i don't think it really shakes anybody up when when you go out there and do that i think we were just Excited that we finally nonchalant. put together exactly. 60 minutes of football. I think we've had some good halves. We've had, you know, good three quarters. But, you know, today we put together four pretty good quarters. You just did something that no one in the history of the NFL has done. He's just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, the team played really well. You, you know, know what it ball. is? I would be bragging the hell out of that. That is, it's, it's like the sports equivalent of the aw shucks, man. It weren't nothing. Yeah. Oh, I just do that all the time anyway. It's no big deal for someone <laughs> like me. I'm going to go bang my supermodel wife. It's like that. You know, it's like that. Was it Jordan? Well, of course it was Michael Jordan. That was it. Michael Jordan that had, he played some game where he had a fever of like 102 and he scored yeah. like 80 points or something. yeah, and hit like a winning three point. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, I just do that. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's Tom Brady. Further reason why I just hate him so much. Um, this this episode is really full of a lot of hate. Uh, in Mike Tyson news, Tyson and Vander Holyfield met on the set of Oprah and they had a uh, little discussion. Mike Tyson actually finally apologized. Apologized to Evander. We have the audio of that here. Were you angry? Well, at that at that moment, I was very angry, very angry, like that. But you know, eventually, when 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 it's all over, you realize that you gain more than you lost. But the point the point of the matter is is, is how you re, how you relate after something like that happened. Right. And the most important thing is was me to forgive, yeah. and I forgave him. And and I was ready to move on. Okay, I'm sorry. That was a Vander Holyfield uh, saying that he accepts Mike Tyson's forgive or uh, Mike Tyson's yeah forgiveness and all that stuff. Um, this is part of the reason too. I wanted to play that with Vander Holyfield. He is completely uh, his his mind is gone. I was it is you gone. For translating that because I, yeah. you you gained more than you lost. Yeah, but Which part isn't of true. the point of the reason. And then it just degenerated into a bunch of... I couldn't... It was like a lot of phlegm and and adjectives. Oh, yeah. He has been beaten senseless over the years. And now, (laughs) here he is, too, talking about... Speaking of biting, this is him talking about him and his brothers. You know, you have conflicts in life. You know, the conflict starts at home. You know, I'm the youngest of nine in my family. And, and, you know, the point of... When you talk about bite, I'm the person who bit every brother in in my family. Because... Oh, so that was karma. Come to root. (laughs) 
okay. Ha, 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 family I, violence. I, I don't hey. understand. I yeah, I don't understand what's going on there. Except to think, you know that that's a guy whose brain clearly has been turned into a lot of mush over the years. It really is. Yeah, he has been beaten, retarded. Uh, all right, so that concludes <laughs> this edition of Ball Talk. He's gone full <laughs> retard. Uh, all right, then. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. It's time to begin our inaugural edition of Busted Bingo. You can find the complete rules for this at uh, rickemerson.com. Here's what you do. You pick up the latest issue of Busted. This is the October edition, volume four. That's the print edition only, by the way. Uh, starting now, we are going to announce one crime slash offense in each segment of today's show. If you can spot three mug shots in a row, across, down, or diagonally using the crimes we have mentioned... And the first caller to uh, to do so at 503-228-4101. That is so not now. If you call now, you're not even... If you call now, it really you have gone full retard. Because there would be no reason to do so at the point. Uh, if, if you are uh, able to spot three mugshots in a row using the crimes we have mentioned, you will win something shiny from the Rock 101 KUFO prize stack. The first crime is... Assault. The first crime in today's edition of Busted Bingo is... Assault. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Back after this was seen a radio correspondent, Jim Roop. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. And I have magic genitals. On Rock 101 KUFO. Rick Emerson Show, who's this? This is John. Hey, John, how you doing today? Good, how about yourself? I am uh, fantabulous. Craig tells us that, uh, implausibly enough, you have a busted bingo already. Yes, I do. All right, what page is that on, sir? That's on page 19. Page 19, can you give us the uh, three names? All right, we got Brandon Allen, Mm -hmm. Alexander Walker, and Pedro Marie Rojano. Congratulations, my friend. You do indeed have a busted bingo. That is page 19, Brandon Allen, Alexander Walker, and Pedro Maru Rojano. Uh, Those are three in a row across, uh, all of them uh, arrested for assault. Congratulations, sir. All right, so you have won, my friend, two tickets to Frytown plus a qualification for the grand prize. Two passes to Frytown, a whole block of screams and shock beneath Memorial Coliseum featuring three different and scary haunted attractions. Uh, you've also qualified for the grand prize, a walk through Frytown with uh, Sarah and myself plus monster makeovers. Now through Halloween from Cricket Wireless, Papa Murphy's, and KUFO. Congratulations, my friend. You are the first winner of Busted Bingo. Awesome. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 624. It's going to be partly cloudy today. High temperatures in the mid-50s. Giant pumpkins have dropped from the sky in Aurora over the weekend. We have better things to do with helicopters here than chase balloons around. Giant pumpkins were dropped from the sky by helicopters. They were lifted before plummeting toward their target. A van on the ground. A land-based crowd looked up, cheered, and gathered around to inspect the pumpkin carnage. As these giant pumpkins did significant damage, it was all part of the monster pumpkin drop for a harvest festival at Fur Point Farms in Aurora over I, the weekend. Somebody is looking at the calendar incorrectly. I thought that we did, we did that thing typically after Halloween. Not this one. I thought that was sort of the deal is you like gathered up, uh, you know, jack o' lanterns and whatnot that have, uh, you know, were past their prime, and then you. I always wanted to do just a thing where we got together in a big pile and just blew them up, 
And I could never get anybody at CBS to, you know, maybe now that uh, we're with Alpha, perhaps that they, uh, perhaps they'll have blow a, things up in the parking lot again. I mean, th- that's the thing. We used to blow stuff up constantly. And then CBS had this, like, you can't have any explosives anywhere where it might harm people policy, which was just stupid. I mean, they, they were just killjoys in that regard. Much as I liked working for CBS in many ways, they just uh, they were just total buzzkills in terms of letting us blow stuff up, especially anywhere near the station. Wouldn't it be immensely satisfying uh, and just and sort of just to scratch a deep sort of um, cultural itch to get a huge pile of pumpkins and just blow them all to hell somewhere? Yeah, that see, and Greg is nodding right there. And Greg is uh, Greg. How old are you? Thirty-two. Greg is the target demographic he of the really Rick Emerson is. show in many ways. You are every man, Grandibler. And I love blowing stuff up. That of would course. be awesome. Exactly. And especially if it's something that's sort of pulpy and, and uh, uh, you know, and you know, kind of mushy to begin with. So it gets like a real good sort of splatter effect going on. Anyway, I'm just saying, it seems like a thing Let's to make Let's put it in the to... middle of Memorial Coliseum. We should take it under advisement, and at the end of Halloween, we should try to gather up as many of those things as we can and just blow them up somewhere. We should just do it without asking and just see what happens. All right, you can do it. Really? I mean, what's the worst they could do to us? We already found that out in the past. <laughs> at least I have. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Tim. Oh, nothing. <laughs> Uh, it's 503-228-4101, uh, 503-228-4101. By the way, the next time we do Busted Bingo, we can take a few more minutes and actually look through that thing a little more carefully. <laughs> I mean, I guess on the one hand, I was, look, not that I don't have faith in our it's audience. It's like a fluke, though. I, I, look, I believe in our audience, you know, and I, uh, I think only the best of them. But by the same token, you got to figure it's early in the morning. Maybe people haven't had their coffee yet. They're not finally attuned to looking through and picking up the three mug shots in a row. That guy nailed it, like, right out of the gate. I think we inadvertently uh, picked assault where there were the three mug shots in a row. But that guy caught literally like just like 15 seconds later he had mm-hmm. spotted it. So congratulations to you, sir. We will uh, do another installment of Busted Bingo uh, the next time the new uh, issue comes out. So be listening. It's 503-228-4101. Here's Tim Riley. A Louisiana Justice of the Peace has stirred up a hornet's nest of outrage after refusing to issue a license to an interracial couple. Uh, Kenneth Bodwell... Uh, said he was uh, denied uh, a marriage license to 30-year-old Beth Humphrey. Oh, I, I guess the judge's name is Bardwell. The 32-year-old boyfriend's name is Terrence. He explains uh, one of the reasons why he was told that he could not have a marriage license. So here it is. He's saying 99% of it wound up into, in divorce. But how many uh, people get married and wind up in divorce? You know, white or black. Uh, McCain has something to say to the Justice of the Peace. Good luck. You know, so all I can tell him, you know, I wish him the best. I don't wish, I don't wish him any harm, but you know, he was wrong. So, what is a justice of the peace exactly? A justice of the peace? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, is that someone who can only do marriages? In other words, can a justice of the peace do anything? You only ever hear it in relation to marriage. That is true. I don't know. Is that some? Mm. Is that some specialized uh, the, the kind of? I don't like not a degree, but you know, like a license that you get. Uh huh. Or is that something that? It, like, can a justice of the peace also be something else? Or is that a deal where if you become, is that like being a notary public or something? Where, like, you just got to fill out a deal and they give you a thing and then they stamp, uh, you know, they stamp something on your, uh, you know, whatever, on your, uh, you know, like on your um, on your state paperwork and then you can marry people? Uh, let's see here. He may uh, dispense common law jurisdictions. Justice of the peace are appointed or elected from the citizens of the jurisdiction which they serve, and they're usually not required to have formal legal education in order to qualify for the office. So it's like a made-up thing. Yeah. I mean, if he can dispense common law... Doesn't dispensing common law justice sound sort of sinister? 
Dispensing common law justice sounds like you're in Shirley Jackson's The Lottery and you're just going to have a guy stoned to death on the edge of the village. Dispensing something isn't like an awkward phrase. Yeah, yeah, anytime you are dispensing justice, unless your uh, names are Norris and Chuck, it seems like that's that's a thing that that could quite possibly be open to abuse. Oh my God, at some point today we have to talk about what was dispensed on Greg Nibbler this weekend. What was dispensed on Greg Nibbler this weekend? Wait a minute, you can't just say that. What do you mean what was dispensed... You know, I'm trying to block that out. What was dispensed on Greg Nibbler? I'll give you three choices. Uh, was it vomit? Did uh, somebody vomit on you? A, vomit. B, apple juice. C, breast milk. Breast milk. Yes. I mean, here's the thing. I know it was breast milk because... This wasn't that come have a beer with Greg Nibbler, was it? <laughs> well, because... So. Because, yeah. first of all... It was I not mean, there. <laughs> I have the idea that probably nine times out of ten, there's somebody, I don't know, not within this room necessarily, but somebody within the confines of this building ends up covered in vomit over the course of a weekend. That's just the way the world. I know it's not me. The apple That's- juice would only happen if Greg had kids, which he does not. Uh, that's the only reason any adult is ever exposed to apple juice or graham crackers, because you were surrounded by children. I like and apple juice. thirdly... Well, see, I, maybe you are the exception that proves the rule. I always order when I fly. It seems to be something apple juice? I love while you're apple flying. Juice. That means going on vacation to me. I sort of took I, I order when I get on a plane. Really? Yes. Is it treetop apple juice? Is that your juice of sure. choice? I've never looked at the box. I sort of took it as an article of faith that there were uh, things, that, foods to which you were not exposed once you became an adult unless you had kids. Those are apple juice, graham crackers, and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Uh, and, and sometimes fish sticks. Those are things you just uh, you just don't have around unless there are small fry in the house. Well, in any event, I knew it was breast milk, though, as soon as you said that, because I know that that's the most horrifying thing on earth to you. I know oh. that there's nothing worse that you could be exposed to than breast you milk. You know what? When it's not being squirted at me, it's hilarious. Oh, it yes. Very funny. <laughs> I mean, does it weird you out? That, I'm, I mean, I'm presuming you were breastfed. Maybe not. I yes, I thought I was. Does that weird you out? Since you have a whole thing about that anyway. No, it just kind of creeps me out. All right, but I mean, but you. But in other words, you don't think about the fact that you like it doesn't weird you out retrospectively that you were breastfed. No. no. Why does it? What is the deal with that? Is it? Is it because it? Um, I think it's just anything in your body making food for something else is just kind of gross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's sort of like a like a refreshing liquid cannibalism, yeah. Like a low level kind of uh, like a low level consuming of one's own mother. Yeah, no. It is sort of edible, actually, when you think about it. That it is sort of a. Um, it's almost you like don't a, eat anything else that comes out of your body. It's like a weird edible liquid Jesus. You know what I mean? Sort of a. And then she said, "You know, I give to you." But it's like it's sort of like the transubstantiation, which is where the uh, the bread becomes the uh, the body of Christ and the the wine becomes the blood of Christ. But it's sort of like whatever your mom eats become like it becomes like the uh, the blood of mom. That sounds wrong, but you know what <laughs> I mean. It's, so it's, but it's, you're sort of like feeding off your mother, which is sort of an edible Jesus thing anyway. But yet it's like liquid and it's out of a boob. And it's yeah. just weird. It's just and the idea that a boob dispenses food is strange. I'm it, sorry, it I don't is. mean to sound juvenile, but I. Hey, I'm agreeing with you, brother. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, you know, some of you men and. I mean, not a few of you women probably in Portland can get with me on that. That it's just, it's an odd thing that, uh, I mean, I'm like the billionth person probably to make this, uh, to make this observation. But it, since the breast is a sort of de facto sexual object, it's strange that it also makes food. Mm-hmm. It would be like, you know what it is? Oh, I don't know. No, no, no. I'm just saying it would be like having a vagina that was also a microwave, you know, where it's like, uh, uh, you know, like, like on the one hand, uh, it's a vagina. On the other hand... You know, it'll it'll make a TV dinner for you. Wow, it's just strange. It is strange. That was a very strange <laughs> visual. It's I can't I'm imagine the, putting a frozen burrito in something like that. It's the and having a ding in thirty <laughs> seconds. 
Well, you're not hanging out with the right women, Tim. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it, I mean, I, I guess it's just sort of, it's just sort of odd. It's, uh, it all depends on one's perspective. But you know when it is not is when your friend is hilarious and drunk and decides to squirt breast milk at people. Uh, there is right. nothing hilarious about it that was, at all. And well, I totally set Greg up for it. I'm really bad because she was, okay. she made some Milky Way joke. No, yeah, she all was right. like, what's at the center of the galaxy? No, all right. Now we have to, we yeah. have to wait on this. It's, right. uh, clearly there's more to this story than we're going to have time to do here. The, the Greg is saying that this guy in line two has, quote, something to say that will gross us out. That's all he told me. One, this is a call that probably requires some screening. This is, well, I think, where the screening part of call screener <laughs> probably comes in. Well, when a guy calls up, just FYI, just going forward, when a guy calls up and says, I have something that's really going to gross you out, that's one of those situations where probably you at least want to know what he's going to say. Well, it's in relation to uh, the topic at hand, which is yeah. Rest. I feel that that's still insufficient information, so? at least as far as you are concerned. Um, I feel you should probably be the first line of defense there. Let's listen to Greg. Is Greg's mic on? All right. So what what is it that you have to say? We're going to hear him screening the... Uh, this is just Greg's side of the call here. This guy has something that will, quote, gross us out. Uh-huh. Greg is now uh, talking to... Uh, oh, well, that's certainly gross. <laughs> uh, I don't... I, I, yeah, that is disgusting. Um... I think this is I think this is fine for air. All right, it's just disgusting. Um, so yeah, I'm going to put you on hold here. You can you can tell this to uh, right, Rick. That's uh, Greg screening the call. Uh, Greg, on a scale of one to five, uh, five being the grossest thing you can possibly imagine. How gross is this? Uh, I would say this is about a four. Really? To me, it, to me, it is, especially in the context of of what we were just talking about and what I experienced this weekend. <laughs> five being a skull full of maggots. Okay, then I would go with a three. Okay. If we're, okay. If we're putting five at that uh, Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How can I help you, Tino? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a chef out at OSU, and, uh, you know, me and uh, some buddies that work, work out there have uh, been kicking around this idea for about a year now. Um, you know, you can make cheese out of pretty much any kind of milk out there, right? Yes. Could you make it out of human breast milk? I'm sure you could, actually. That's uh, See, that's not disgusting. That's just interesting. That's, uh, now, you know, it, I don't know if I would initially want to eat that, but then again, what do I know? I, uh, I, the question is, could you tell the difference? Well, presumably you could, because you can tell the difference in, like, cow cheese and goat cheese, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it would be sweeter and uh, a little bit creamier than uh, normal cheese. <laughs> yes, yes, I suppose it would. <laughs> I, uh, I have to say that I don't really know, though, because... Uh, I'm looking at breast milk cheese. <laughs> breast milk cheese is the worst thing ever. I'll be... Help- before we do anything else, before you type that in, sir, before you tell us the results, how many uh, how many hits do we suppose? Put it in quotes too when you Google that. How many hits do we suppose the phrase "breast milk cheese" will bring up in Google, Greg? I, I, actually, I, I would I would label it people cheese. People cheese. <laughs> oh, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. All right, yeah. thank you, Tino. All right, that's. All right. I'm going to say seventy-seven. Seventy-seven hits. Oh, you're way off. I'm guessing there's going to be at least five thousand, but no, I, I, I will say five thousand. Yeah, I would say thousands. I'll I'll go even double that. Ten thousand. So you've got seventy-seven. <laughs> I say five thousand. Greg says ten thousand. We will do the showcase showdown style. Tim. Oh, a- at least seven thousand. All right. So we've got uh, seventy-seven. Shows five, seven, and ten. All right. Sarah is googling the phrase. Breast milk cheese, when we return, the results of that googling. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues to revolt and amaze when we uh, continue. Coming up, top of the hour, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. Later on, rock star Alice Cooper. You stay right there. This 
is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503 228 401 503-228-4101. Coming up uh 720, we'll talk to Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. We'll wrap up at the uh, weekend box office. 740 CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles with more on Balloon Boy and Balloon Family. Run by the crazy balloon dad, who might do more bad balloon things to get more balloon publicity in the near future. And I think you all know what I'm talking about. And now that you have said that, and I think you make some observation that Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, he made the same kind of prediction, Sarah? Yeah, well, it sounded like it. It was kind of vague, but it seems like he's, yeah, he definitely was insinuating he doesn't think that this Like he might over. be thinking, well, there's only one more way to get publicity now. Mm. All right. Uh, it just makes me nervous. And just, yeah, the whole family kind of freaks me out, actually. I mean, sort of the, the more you see them on television, you realize there's a particular pathology at work there. Well, those children will be have to take... Well, by the end of the week, those kids will be taken away. No, that's... I, that's the, yeah, don't you just... And don't you, I don't, mean, they, they have to be removed. And don't you know that Gloria Aldred is just on a plane right now? I mean, she is just... She's on a bicycle pedaling through the air to get to that house like as we speak, just so you can do some press conference at the front lawn. Uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, we're going to talk to uh, Damon Furberg. He is the uh, Portland casting director for The Real World, MTV's The Real World, which is going to be doing a casting call tomorrow. That is happening tomorrow. We'll give you details on that. And we've also got a, uh, a pair of passes that allow you to jump the line and get right to the, the front of the line for the MTV Real World casting call that is happening tomorrow. But the casting director for that will be with us today at 8 o'clock at 8.45. Rock star and icon Alice Cooper is going to be listening for that. We'll go uh, to the news desk in just a moment. But we, uh, we're we Googling the phrase. What was the actual phrase you Googled? Breast milk cheese. Breast milk cheese. It's a long story. We were trying to figure out exactly... How many hits that would get? Sarah said a mere 77 hits. I said 5,000. Tim said 7,000. Greg said 10,000. What is the answer, Sarah Dillon? Why, Rick Emerson? You actually won. It was 4,530. Uh, that's right. That's right. In your face and mouth. It's uh, 503-228. Tim chuckled. That's all that matters. It's 503-228-4101. And I still don't know why we're discussing all this. I guess something bad happened to Greg. And we did, we'll did. we have to get to it here in just a bit. I, uh, yes. There's no time to reveal all of that now. So apparently something awkward happened to Greg over the weekend that involved him and milk in a, in a bosom. So Not awkward, awful. Awful. There you go. I always get those two confused. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 649. It's going to be partly cloudy today. Highs in the mid-50s. Well, Oregonians are no strangers to hot air balloon adventures. Who remembers Lawn Chair Larry? I guess I'm the only one. This happened an entire year ago. An Oregon man named Ken Cooch successfully took his own balloon-powered lawn chair on a 235-mile trip across the state, traveling across to the Idaho state line. It was his third trip. The second stopped just short of the state line. Well, the first ended up... Well, he parachuted from the chair after popping too many balloons. Wait a minute. So his name is Ken, but you just called him Lawn Chair Larry. I know, which is weird. Who was the first guy that did this? That guy that they made the mini movie about on the Discovery Channel. You know what I'm talking about? The kind of original um, There was Jean-Francois Petit de Rosé. He was French. And was, this happened in 1783. No, no, no. There was a guy, though, in like 19... I don't know. I want to say like 1985 or so. And I think he was from the Northwest. 
I want to say he was from like around Seattle, but I might be wrong about that. There was one in 1982, Larry Walters. That's the guy, Launcher Larry. So that is him. He's the original guy in his backyard. The original, you know, sort of modern day balloon. Why do they call this guy Kent Launcher Larry? It must be a typographical. Well, I think maybe it's an honor. Maybe it's like Justice of the Peace or Colonel in the South. It's just an honorary title given to any balloon adventurer, Tim. He is the guy who, in his he backyard, had forty-two helium-filled balloons. That's right, and he took and a, a launcher and a pellet gun with him. Uh, to sort of shoot them down one by one if he needed to, to, to descend. And I forget exactly how high he wow. went, but he... 16,000 feet. Airline pilots were stunned to see him outside their windows. I mean, because... They, wow. Can you imagine being on a plane, especially in 1982, before this sort of thing was widely done? Can you imagine being on a plane, you look out the window, and there's some freak on, an, on a lawn chair next to you? I think you'd probably just whiz yourself right oh, there. Yeah. I mean, that would... That would be, I'd rather have a gremlin or William Shatner looking in the window of the plane than some guy in a lawn chair because that just seems like your brain has fallen apart inside your head. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so continuing with these antics, uh, as you know, the, uh, the dad in this put himself and his kids in many, many other videos on the YouTube ever since the, the wife swapping show. And Richard Heaney, who's the, uh, the balloon dad in this video, uh, complains about women wearing makeup, which apparently he doesn't like. One thing that gets me is uh, women in makeup. Women in makeup. You don't see men wearing makeup, okay? I mean, to me, it's like, uh, you know, they're putting on some kind of clown face, and I just think it's so fake. It's fake. Why would a good-looking woman want to put on makeup? Wouldn't like some ugly chick want to put on makeup to look like the good-looking woman. You would think that, right? And the second, the other complaint I have is women take like an hour, two hours to put on makeup. I mean, come on. Wow. wow. I've been there by now, right? It's but hard to believe he couldn't get a woman born in America today. Like a sheet. Like some kind of wax paper you stick on your face, you know? Wouldn't that be the way to go? Anyway, let me know about makeup, fake or real, and if you like this idea, all right? My name is Richard Heaney. Oh, one other thing. I'm trying to take this stuff off. It's like impossible. The other thing that aggravates me is if you ever try making out with some girl, maybe you want to kiss her cheek and you get a whole bunch of rouge around him. He's made that with girls constantly his whole life. It tastes like, well, you know, and lipstick. It's like whale fat or something. Have you ever tasted that stuff? How can they leave that stuff on, man? It makes me sick. Anyway, I'm waiting for your comments. Wow. (laughs) He's still waiting for them. That guy freaks me out. I mean, it's... Tim, does that not remind you of every bad weekend talk show you ever had yes. to work down the hall from? I mean, maybe when you were like... Uh, Heard I, by billions of people. But, it, but <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to. I was actually thinking of just, you know, like when you were you know, back working in Market 175 or something. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm working in beautiful Yakima you know, or something. And there would be a guy who hosted a Saturday night show, like a show that was on from maybe 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. on alternate Saturdays in Akron. And they all sounded exactly like that. Uh, and it was just, I mean, it was, it was like having the inside of your ears sanded out. Jesus, God almighty. And that was just, and those were just regular YouTube videos, right? Yeah. I mean, I I think that as this has sort of rolled on, just in the last couple of hours, I think I am firmly in the camp of Sarah Dillon and Peter Carlin on yeah, the, more. that guy's eventually going to go, you're going to find that family stacked up like cordwood. I mean, that's just, this is my prediction. I mean, I think we're all kind of on the same page there. Yeah, I don't like it. Good God almighty. All right, it's 503-228-4101, uh, 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like at 520 520- Five one more news from Tim Riley uh, coming up ahead. Uh, we have Chris Turnquist from the Oregonian joining us at seven twenty with a look at the weekend box office and in the eight o'clock hour, rock star Alice Cooper. Stay there, we're live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. KUFO.
UFO, Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101. Coming up at 8 o'clock, the Portland casting director for MTV's The Real World. Sarah, do you have the uh, the actual press release? Oh, I do. I just sent it back. All right, that so is the, genius. Isn't this great? So there's going to be a casting call, uh, and that is happening tomorrow. That is tomorrow, Tuesday, October 20th, 11 p.m. to 5 p.m. at Grand Central Restaurant and Bowling. And uh, if you went to our election party uh, toward the end of 2008, you know where that is. It's uh, Grand Central Restaurant and Bowling, 839 Southeast Morrison. That is Tuesday, the 20th, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. That is uh, tomorrow. And it actually says here, it is important to us that the real world reflects the diversity of the general population. This season, we'd love to include a person who is physically challenged, an individual struggling with weight issues. If you can vomit on cue, you're going to be in like Flynn. Uh, someone who has been affected by a natural disaster. A cast member who is a product of, uh, of home or alternative schooling and an individual who wants to bring the spotlight of the real world to a cause, condition, or social issue they care deeply about. Or are personally affected by. So, uh, at 8 o'clock, we are going to be talking to the Portland casting director for MTV's The Real World. Be listening for that. We uh, are going to be uh, giving away a pair of passes that will let you get to the front of the line at the casting call. If you go down there uh, tomorrow, so you want to be listening. At 8 o'clock, that is The Real World uh, casting director for Portland. Also, rock star and icon Alice Cooper coming up at uh, 8.45. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian uh, is here. She'll be talking about what exciting bits of business, Christy. Well, I'm still reeling at the list of things that the real world casting director is looking for. <laughs> Do you feel like you're able to uh, bring any of those things to the table? Sheesh, it's like, I don't know, assembling some weird real world Noah's Ark of alterna special interest <laughs> something or other. I mean, if, very specific needs they're looking for. If we were really a morning show worth our salt, uh, we would just have a guy go lop off one of his feet in the parking lot, you know, just to sort of like increase his, hey, real world! God! <laughs> I mean, you know, really just to show that he was uh, that he was willing to go all out. I mean, really? Christ, you got people packing their kids off in balloons, theoretically. So, I mean, it's... Yeah. Uh, and people Greg are meeting. That, those are real world adventures. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, we haven't even gotten to the Greg's... I bet no one else would be doing that. <laughs> Greg's <laughs> apparent breast milk adventures uh, this weekend that I, I don't even understand yet. I mean, all I know is the barest rudiments of that story. Uh, anyway. So, so yeah. we'll talk uh, <laughs> we'll box office. About, yeah, and where the wild things are, which is... Certainly an interesting phenomenon in terms of how audiences are, rea are reacting to it. Excellent. Well, that's Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian here in just a uh, few. In just moments, we have Tim Riley as well. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How can I help you today? Hey, good morning. This is Kevin from the Coop. What's up, sir? For you guys. Hey, just two, two quick things. Larry, the original uh, balloon dude back in the 80s. Yes. Since that was the pinnacle of his life experience, uh, committed suicide several years after that. Uh, this is the guy that tied all the balloons to his lawn chair, and the he was kind of a uh, whacked out guy in many ways, if I remember correctly. He seemed to have a, a lot of personal issues. Yeah, I would say that probably goes without saying, considering he was tied to a balloon chair. That's, no, that's a fair enough point. All right. <laughs> and secondly, I just wanted to share this with everybody, since you're having the breast milk conversation this morning. <laughs> yes. I was 18, my sister squirted me in the face with breast milk from at least 10 feet away. That's almost impressive, actually. We were just speaking scientifically and medically here, by the way. These are sociological issues. This, I mean, well, first of all, how old was your sister? My sister was, uh, she was uh, 21 at the time. I was 18. And I mean, were you, so you were old enough to sort of, were you old enough to be just horrified by it? 
Well, yeah, I saw my, besides the fact you heard my voice break, it's still a a horrible thing in my head, but I saw not only her breasts, but the milk coming at me. Ah. Was it like a slow motion horror film? Was it just, was it almost like a bionic (laughs) thing, like a across the room? Absolutely, just like the Matrix, although I couldn't do the back bend thing fast enough to get away, and then I I ended up scrubbing myself in the corner of the shower like one of those uh, typical cliched post-rape scenes. I was was actually just going to say you're like Elizabeth Shue in Leaving Las Vegas, just sweeping on the floor of the shower. Crying and sobbing and scraping at my flesh with a piece of steel wool, but I still couldn't carve it out of my brain. You are awesome. Excellent. Just real quick, I'm 51. This happened when I was 18. I Still, uh, now, right now, I think I'll, I threw up a little bit in my mouth. Clearly, it's a thing you're still dealing with. The, the Rick Emerson Show, we are in solidarity with you, sir. All right, thank you for calling. All right, thank you. It's like a, some sort of a yeasty episode of Dragon Ball Z. Uh, the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, it is 7.09. It's going to be partly cloudy today. Highs in the mid-50s. A Portland couple facing multiple charges after allegedly cutting an elderly man out of his $300,000 life savings. Cops say 70-year-old Jerry Lee Knight and 60-year-old Cheryl Knight befriended the old-timer, giving him cab rides. Eventually, he took them into his confidence. They became his caregiver, and then they cleaned out his savings. Jerry Lee Knight! You get in here and quit your hucksterism! Well, it looks like there's no God in Southeast. A thief stole $900 from a woman's purse at church. Happened yesterday at the Church of Grace in Southeast Portland. The Lord is just too busy to look after those in that part of town. Well, and apparently, I mean, this in, apparently someone in Southeast has $900 at their disposal. Seriously? Why would you have $900 in your purse, I ask, as though I don't know the answer. Rent? I think you know. Yes. I, I, think, I think we all know oh. why someone would have $900 in their purse someone in Southeast. Is, someone is thrifty. That's that's exactly what I was thinking, Tim. That's uh, that was absolutely the answer I came to. So, getting back to the uh, the balloon boy thing, the sheriff there, Sheriff Jim, said the Heenies wanted their own reality program. Oops, hang on, I I turned my sound off here. The Heenies wanted their own reality program. What the hoax is, is that this this has been a planned event for at least two weeks. Uh, the plan was to launch this. Uh, spacecraft in order to gain media publicity plan was obviously to create a situation where it appeared that falcon was in the craft and that his life was in jeopardy in order to gain uh, a lot of publicity so and again with with the ultimate goal of uh, uh gaining some notoriety and uh, perhaps furthering their career by obtaining a contract to do a reality t show okay first of all a is this all it takes to be a spacecraft now, is to be a thing that floats above the ground? I mean, that's it, right? So, like, a kite is a spacecraft, apparently. Yes. I guess they have different uh, sort of parameters for what counts as science in certain states here in the uh, in the Union. But, you know, the, the, what do I know? B, so this is exactly the way we were speculating about it earlier in the show, that apart from the kids, uh, the awkward revelation of Wolf Blitzer that led to the undoing, apart from that, this went exactly as the dad had planned. Yes. Right? In other words, it, in other words, what I've been trying to get a handle on here was the fact that it came out that the kid was never on board. Was that something the dad already just figured would be the case? In other words, it was always planned that they would say the kid was on there and then, oh, my God, he's been found alive. It's a miracle. 
but they but then he would use the ensuing publicity you know that that had accrued there to get the reality show. So the dad was never going to try to convince people the kid was really on there. It was always understood that it would turn out the kid was in the attic. It was just not planned but, but, that the kid would reveal how it was all kind of a scam. The other point is, there is no proof that the kid was in the attic. That is the other thing now. Oh, that's, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. Just locked in a steamer trunk somewhere. All right. He, he could have been in the neighborhood playing. And uh, the sheriff uh, makes a point that the mom and dad, balloonists, met in acting school in Hollywood. They moved away from Hollywood to take advantage of the small town brains. Of those in the place they moved to. Here's an Oscar winning performance with the balloon mom telling 911 her son flew away on the balloon. Let me talk first, okay? 911, what's the address of your emergency? Hi, this is Fort Collins with the transfer okay. for Fossil Ridge Drive. Okay. Phone number is. Okay. Uh, this woman and her husband stating that their six-year-old son, they had an experimental flying saucer that they built. Mm -hmm. They believe that um, their six-year-old son is in it and is flying around. They left on him 20 minutes ago. Okay. Thank you. He's on the phone with you now. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh -huh. Ma'am? What's your name? My name is Mayumi Heaney. And so it was an experimental plane? It's a flying saucer. It's a flying saucer. Flying saucer. That's gone too, right? I'm sorry? How long is the flying saucer gone as well? Like 20 minutes, I think. It's like they're speaking in code about delivering drugs or something. Has the flying saucer left the hangar? Wow. All right. That is the cow in the living room, ma'am. I repeat, is the cow in the living room. If you watch that whole 911 call, there are multiple references, by the way, to the, where the wife says, like, and then the flying saucer took my son away. And it's, uh, which, like, is either absurd or, or uh, just. The like, serve man is not a cookbook. I mean, that's right. I mean, she either, she either sounds, she either sounds uh, uh, retarded or unbelievably, um, it's sort of self-consciously melodramatic, and I guess it's the latter because they're bringing their uh, their California acting values uh, to Colorado. Final uh, thought here before we break: Have you did you ever watch the entire Wolf Blitzer segment where the kid said you said it was for the show? You want to talk about bottled, distilled uncomfortability? That's watching that dad in the thirty seconds after the kid says that, and Wolf Blitzer leans on him about, "Hey, what what did the son mean just now?" And he said, "We did it for the show." And it's like the dad is just, and you can, you can just see like the best laid plans of mice and men and the flying magical heenies just <laughs> falling apart on television. It's awesome. All right. It's like right out of the office. It's 503-228-4101. And we return the irrepressible Christy Turnquist, who was unable to stifle herself in the presence of our massive wit. Flying magical heenies. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, seriously, I mean, you put him in a tutu and stick him under a big top somewhere and be set. Keep those heenies on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Look, if we're going to make out, you're not going to give me typhus or something, right? I mean, can we just, uh, can we have an honest discussion about that? This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's 
It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we will talk to the Portland casting director for MTV's The Real World. I'm doing a casting call tomorrow. Coming up at 845, the one and only uh, Alice Cooper. And I have no idea. I have, I'm going to say I have no idea what to ask him, but I... Really, having I am now thirty six years of age, so I mean it's probably t- over twenty years, uh, you know, that I've been a fan of Alice Cooper. I was just talking to Christy about this. I was just saying that I have no, I have no idea really what to ask him. I mean, I have this massive list of questions, but like, how do you how do you narrow down? Like, for example, let's say, let's say you uh, let's say we got Bob Dylan on the show mm-hmm. to promote his exciting new Christmas album. Mm. Um, I mean, we, please don't ever play that again. What would the uh, <laughs> you have now guaranteed that I will uh, that I will play it again? What would I mean? What would be the thing you would ask Bob Dylan? I mean, if you if I said, look, you got the two questions for Bob Dylan. I mean, what what would be? I even, have no idea. That see, that's what I'm yeah, saying. No it's idea. like I don't even know what I would ask. So you've written uh, out like 200 questions. I have actually. I have. I have either written them out and scratched them off, and written them out and scratched them off. This is so exciting because ever since I've known you, you've wanted to interview him. Yeah, no, and it's like, see, and now by saying it like this, I'm just I'm jinxing us again because we've uh, because we have nearly had him on three times. Wow! And every time it's kind of fallen through for some reason. So, well, I mean, just in talking, you obviously know so much about him. It almost, it becomes harder to well, know what to ask when you know so much about somebody. That's the other thing is like, yeah, you don't want to set up questions that you already know the answers to. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, there's certain stuff you know that you that, you know that you people probably want to hear about or that you know. The, that uh, you know things that people you know stories about him or stuff that people like to hear told, but it's like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of stuff I don't know yeah. that I would feel comfortable asking him. You know because I'm just such a, a freak for the guy that I kind of you know I know a lot of stuff. But all right, yeah. what is it, you know you interview uh, Christy for the Oregonian. You interview people you know of, of substantial uh, substantial fame sometimes. Yeah. What is the what is like what who's the, have you ever gotten nervous? Who's the biggest person you've interviewed? Oh gosh, um, that's a tough one. Um, was it Christy Lee Cook? You can be honest. <laughs> that, yeah, that was shaking that was, in your boots. That was a transporting experience. I admit it. Um, you know, actually, I got this is ridiculous. I got sort of nervous interviewing Carol Burnett. No, I can oh, totally oh, see that. that. She's nervous. a living legend. Well, because I grew up, you know, watching yeah. her on TV. It was like interviewing, you know, my my mother Damn. or an aunt or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I just felt like I knew her so intimately. That it seemed somehow wrong to be interviewing her. I think that's you know like that was us when we interviewed um, we interviewed Don Rickles, and uh, you know and of course Don Rickles who I mean it, God he was like 150 then I mean it was a few years ago but I mean he was already like older than Methuselah, and right out of the gate I found out later on this is a thing he does but out of the gate he kept calling me Eric. Eric, I love your show. You know, and I, I was talking to Jim Roop for seeing it later, and he goes, oh, yeah, he's winding you up. He does that to everybody. He kept calling me Jack. Uh, but, uh, he didn't call you a hockey puck? He did not. He did not. But I interviewed Don Rickles, and then um, we interviewed Tim Conway around that same time. So they were both coming through town. And it's, it was just weird because you just have seen those guys a billion times. Yeah. On television, so yeah, it's like right. you know you've you've eaten dinner and they were in your living room with you. I was like, very weird. Yeah, so it's just yeah, it's weird. Uh, hey, also weird by the way uh, is where the wild things are. I say in a ham-handed segue, but that made <laughs> I mean <laughs> you and I were talking about this during the break that it's there's no middle ground on that film. No, it's really it's turning out to be a real love it or hate it kind of a thing. I mean, people seem to find it either really profound and moving and and a very special experience, or they just don't like it at all they think it's gloomy they think all the creatures are a big buzz kill i mean i, I and i'm sort of mixed emotions on it myself now did you see it what did you think um uh, we saw it on thursday we were able to go see a screening of it and my the, the two things i said i had several sort of bullet point comments but the two that i think probably sum up my attitude about where the wild things are the most are one a um 
Is it possible for a movie to be both fascinating and boring at the same time? Yes. That's a good way to put it, yeah. And the second thing is, it was like seeing a master's thesis titled Where the Wild Things Are as an Allegory for the Demarcation Between and Cohesion of Childhood Archetypes. <laughs> and But like seeing that master's thesis acted out with puppets. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was, right? It was like a whole movie where, okay, look, these yes, these represent the different parts of the childhood psyche. Yeah. And this is his anger, and this is his intellect, and this is his maternal side, and yeah. this is his uh, his impulsive side. And then by the end of the movie, they all start getting it. And like the the maternal and paternal parts of his personality start to get along. Mm -hmm. And he has to like let go of his of his anger. Like they, you know, at the end, he spoiler lol. uh, At the end, he like he leaves (laughs) and, you know, he has to leave the angry part of himself behind. Yeah. And it's just which I I, it makes me sound like a dick to kind of smirk at it that way. But it's just. Like, I get it. Yeah, I Like, know. I got it 20 minutes in. That's how know? I felt, too, because I, I, again, I mean, on the one hand, I was just completely uh, fascinated by the look of the film and the feel of it, and I thought they did a really terrific job with the creatures. I mean, I thought the combination of having actors wearing these costumes and then just the bit of CG they did with the, with the you know, mouths and that kind of right. thing were great. I thought the voice performances were terrific. I mean, you know, when James Gandolfini was doing Carol, I thought that was like a real uh, creature. It didn't work for you? Uh, I just kept hearing Tony Soprano. Did you? I, the, he, the thing about James Gandolfini is, like, I, I feel bad for that guy because he's such a great actor, but... He's so Tony. I just, I just don't know if I can ever get past that, and maybe that's my <laughs> failing as a viewer, and I hate to feel like I'm contributing to typecasting, yeah. but I know that I am, because ever. and I think Greg pointed this out, that when Gandolfini in Where the Wild Things Are, when he would get angry, and he would do that oh, thing of like breathing through his nose, which is a totally... breathing. It's that a, is Tony. Yeah, it's yeah. a completely Tony Soprano thing, which yeah. is, to me, that is the one big glaring flaw in that movie, is the casting of James Gandolfini, huh. because huh. that is the thing that took me out of the movie. Hmm. I mean, I can accept that there's huge eight-foot-tall puppet things, <laughs> but, but I can't I can't get past Tony Soprano being the voice. There's just I, no way. I, I thought he gave a really good voice performance, and and I was I guess I was impressed by that. But then I was just I was getting bored. I was yeah. staring at the screen, and I was thinking, what am I going to have for dinner? Yeah, I oh, mean, it's interesting how they're doing this. Yeah, I'm hungry. I mm. mean, about the time they were like carrying the owls around, and the owls are going. Ah! And it's a knock-knock joke, and that's kind of when I realized, they're just making all this up. Yeah, There's just, no story they're here. They're vamping for time. That's the thing. It was like they were just killing time until the clock said 90 minutes. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, wrap it up. We hit our 90 minutes. And you that know, and kid, the more I thought about it this week, and that kid is just really unnerving. And I was thinking Aww. about the beginning with the dog and the fork. Right. And you never see the dog again. Oh, that's true. You don't. And I'm like, what happened with the dog and the fork? In the well, beginning? I isn't the dog. But he's in like he's in the dreamland. Right, you know I mean? yeah. right. But he's giant in the background. I mean, like at the house, anything with the house, like no more dog. What are you implying? The kid did something untoward to the <laughs> I'm dog. Just saying, the more I was thinking about it, the kid it, had like, anger issues. He had anger issues. He's bringing all this giant fork in the dog, and then. No yeah, see, dog. and I should say, by the way, actually, that I don't share everybody else's dislike of the kid. I know a lot of other people found the kid like bratty and unlikable and Portland, whatever. And Portland kid, yeah, and I didn't not like him. He just was unnerving. I, I think, you know, I, what I told somebody is that I have tremendous sympathy for the character of Max because he's, you know, he's, uh, I mean, I, and I know he's created in a way that everybody's supposed to see themselves a little bit there, but yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us, especially maybe in this room, they were, you know, you didn't work and play well with others and don't color and set the lines and I don't want to, <laughs> ju- I don't want to do what I'm told and I can't, you know, I'm a kind of a freak in some ways, which is, I think, why we all end up in jobs like this and whatever. So I have tremendous empathy for the kid, and I don't necessarily find him to be a bad kid. By the same token, he is totally the reason I don't have children. That is the reason for rubbers. That kid. Seriously, I mean, as much as you might love him, Boy, that's you know a what? marquee quote. No, it's like I, 
you know what? I, I, I you know, I, I like Motley Crue. I don't want Tommy Lee to come live in my basement. <laughs> I just, I just don't. I, I would like for him to stay away from me. Well, I, yeah, I had, a, I had a thought while I was watching it, and that it, the movie, you know, and I, I was noticing when I saw it, a lot of the people in the audience were kind of hipsters, right? I and mean, there weren't a lot of parents. And hipsters kids. will love this film. Yeah. This is like hipster approved. Yeah, and it seemed to, to kind of play into something that kind of gets on my nerves, which is sort of this, this sort of hipster pop culture moment we're in, where sort of childhood and sort of adolescent kind of stuff is is sort of fetishized and you know people wear little girly kinds of outfits yeah. and guys wear you know skinny little jeans and boy do i sound like a cranky old coot <laughs> i'm glad you said that i didn't want to be the one to point that out <laughs> and, and they're rock and roll and they're, they're duck's ass hairdos <laughs> Uh, well, there's, there's, uh, yeah. And was there, when is The Road coming out? That was another big discussion we were having. I don't even know yeah, when that movie was supposed to come out. The 25th of October? November. November. Oh, so I, so we got like another six weeks to wait for that thing? Yeah. And they just, they, they screened it last, like last week. <sighs> Did the they really? Is like, person and seller, baby eater. <laughs> baby eater. Is there actually yes. a, a, a part named baby eater? Baby eater. <laughs> well, all right, there you go. Fun for the whole family. And Tim Riley doing what he does, which is to spoil films. Uh, I did not see Mad Men last night, so I have nothing to, to contribute Ooh. to that. Was it, I mean, without well. spoiling anything, anything uh, gripping, terrifying, yes. bad, awful? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, Don is continuing to, you know, horn dog around with the school teacher, and Betty discovers something about this. Don. I don't, All right. I'm going to watch that today. Uh, my only other note about TV last night, and we got to take a break here, is um, um, A, I am not feeling this season of Californication so far. I, I really love the first two seasons. The first two seasons of that show are about as good as television gets to me. Yeah, I, I just season three is just not, maybe it's, it's not working for I, you. I, you know, it's just kind of lost. It's kind of when they moved his wife to New York at the end of the second season. Uh, Karen, David, the company character, his wife moved to New York. And and without her around, the, the, the push and pull between the two of them, because she's sort of his conscience and she's the good, she's his moral center or whatever. And so it's like his, you know, like all of his impulsive sort of uh, addictive behavior is always counterbalanced by her trying to pull him towards being more responsible. And they moved her to New York and he's still in L.A. And so there's no balance. So it's just indulgence. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's starting to, it has that kind of entourage thing where it's just yeah. a guy who's drinking and getting high and yeah. effing a lot of girls all the Some time. Some shows should just, you know, run their course and when they're done, just stop. Maybe they'll bring it back around, but it's, I'm not feeling season three. And finally, th- same thing with Dexter. Boy, that show could be so good if they would just... I mean, when that is a show that has ceased being about serial killing. It has ceased being about a serial killer, even in the, in the sense of Dexter himself. Wow. It's now just become about a guy who's married and doesn't like it, uh, which you know makes it like not stand apart from anything else in television. And they're yeah. wasting John Lithgow, who's... I wonder if they only had like one shooting day with him, and so they shot all of Lithgow's stuff in <laughs> one day, and they're having to spread it out through the entire season. Very I do, frustrating. Yeah, I do think, you know, certain shows just, you know, they should end after a season or two and just be done with it but you know there's money in it so they just keep getting renewed and they should they bring them to us for review christy that's really what they're do. yes and pay us a lot of money to do it what is uh, coming up in the oregonian well let's see i'm talking to somebody from another radio network this morning <coughs> about uh their uh public radio series of stories on portland <clears throat> sorry <laughs> we'll have a story about that later this week. That's great. Um, That's wonderful. Well, well that all, can't it, be too hard to figure out. Who has newsmen <laughs> left to do stories? It's all part of the you know national media becoming obsessed with Portland. So it's yet another example of that. 
And that's coming up uh, later uh, this week. Creating a tiny little grudge in my heart right now. Well, yeah. sorry. Christy Turnquist, reader and print in the Oregonian, online at OregonLive.com. We return Jim Roop from CNN Radio, Los Angeles. Coming up at 8 o'clock, the Portland casting director for MTV's The Real World. And at 845, rock star Alice Cooper. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. It's Monday morning. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. In just a moment, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, Tim Riley's tracking the following stories for you on this Monday. Oh, my. A former employee says the balloon boy's dad tried to stuff toilet paper down her throat. We'll have that coming up. And the balloon boy and brothers rap about not being pussified. That coming up soon. Really? Yes. <laughs> all right. Plus, we'll, um, we will uh, find out exactly what is at the root of all this breast milk discussion that we were having earlier on. And coming up at 8 o'clock, we're going to talk to the casting director right here in Portland for MTV's The Real World. And at uh, 8.45, rock star Alice Cooper. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent to the stars and man of the world, James Rook. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How is uh, life, brother? How was your weekend? Satisfying in every regard, I hope? Yeah, yeah, you know, it was a good weekend. You know, not a whole lot not a whole lot went on, so it was successful. Did they have you... I, I mean, when something like this Balloon Boy story is happening, I mean... Yes, I'm constantly working. I, well, of course, I have no doubt about that. But you, at one point, because when the whole thing was sort of unfolding on Thursday, I think they were going to have you like on a plane to Colorado, but... Um, but I now was it, walking out the door when I got the call saying, never mind. Really? Yeah. Do you think that it was probably, how do I put this? Obviously, they did not anticipate the dad didn't plan for the kid to get on Wolf Blitzer and inadvertently uh, you know, blow the, blow the lid off the whole thing. But uh, that notwithstanding, do you think everything else that happened was part of the plan? In other words, it, it being revealed that, oh, hey, the kid was never on the, on the balloon at all. Looks like he was in the attic. I mean, well, yeah, I think it was all part of the plan. Uh, however, I honestly believed, uh, as of Friday, I thought it was real. I thought the guy, I, I could even explain to myself that comment the kid made, I thought you said we did this for a show. I even understood that in, in a favorable way to that family, because I thought no matter how nutty you might be, there is no way you're going to put your kids in that kind of situation. Right. But I was way wrong. I mean, and it doesn't real. It doesn't speak real highly of this guy's intelligence that he actually entrusted like the core section of the scam to a six-year-old. Yeah, you well, you know, I, I saw the episode of Wife Swap. Uh, you know that these people were on. I, I saw some things uh, that this guy posted on the CNN website as, as an eye reporter. He's and some of the stuff that we've seen on YouTube. Everybody's seen his YouTube stuff uh, recently. The, the guy's out there. He's he's really wacky. So I mean, I could see him thinking that he can convince his kids to be actors enough to pull this thing off he gave he gave them access to his kids outside his presence i mean that that's that's one reason why the authorities in colorado believed it was a real event right the access that they granted the authorities throughout the entire process and it was working great until thursday night it hadn't been for that meddling kid <laughs> and 
I wonder if, if at any point, I mean, if this, if the state's going to have to look into whether or not they get to, you know, they they get to keep these kids while all of this is unfolding, because well, child services already involved. Oh, really? So is 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 Gloria already already brooming her way down there to? Uh, I don't know that she has a license to practice law in Colorado. But, you know, she she very well may be at least consulting uh, whatever may be happening. And that would be interesting to see if that does turn up, though. Uh, I, you know, there's there's that contributing to the delinquency of a minor charge that the that the uh, sheriff wants to wants the DA to consider. And so that means th- that could also be child endangerment, which means the they could come in and take those kids away from those two guys. You know, he reported, uh, as you just said, some stuff for what CNNI or whatever the, the online branch of CNN. I, am, I don't think I've actually seen any of that stuff. What What is it like? Weather stuff. He, you know, he's, he's going into a tornado or doing weather stuff. You know, it's 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 the it's the eye reporter thing. The the common man can submit things right. to go on the uh, on the dot com side of CNN, and uh, you know, it, it's pretty exciting the stuff that he has, but fairly wacky too. And the, and the the sheriff better start watching himself. He's calling the guy nutty professor, you know, bizarre and all right. that kind of stuff. And he's going to wind up the, the the new lawyer now for this family. Going to wind up being able to use that stuff. I uh, we were talking about this this morning, and and it seems to be the common assessment of everybody here on the show that this guy, especially the guy, is such a uh, uh, just a fame whore. I mean, he's just such a the, the glomer for attention that it. I am sort of glad that Child Protective Services is looking into this because the yeah, how do I put this? He seems desperate enough for attention and. A little bit unstable and maybe the kind of guy who doesn't put the safety and well-being of others first. And you never know what a guy like that is going to do to remain in the limelight or to get the sympathy of the public. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why you think his kids are in danger. Because he will do anything to get his reality TV show, obviously. I mean, who knows where that kid even was all that time. Right. You know, they don't even know that yet. There's a whole lot the authorities still don't know that they're scratching their heads about, you know, in, in, including how they didn't take a look inside that attic. When they went into the garage, they looked up there and they thought, there's no way a kid can get up in there. Yet when they, when the dad said, well, he was hiding up in the attic, there was no question as to show me how he got there. Right. Like, you know? like maybe the kid was locked up in a bread box or something. They, I would be I curious. I think they sent him down the block to a local park or something. I'd be curious to hear from the acting teacher who taught the the mom and the dad when they were at uh, when they were in a Hollywood acting class together. Yeah, no one's traced that down yet, have they? No, I mean that's you know they apparently met at an acting school. I'd like to hear what the, if the teachers thought that they. Uh, you know, we're good actors. If the teacher, you know, pegged them as crazy, like from from the get go. I talked to the uh, the person, that, the photographer, when he lived in Burbank. I talked to the photographer who rented him a house and uh, took his headshots a few times and said, "Yeah, she she said I, I believe this was a complete hoax." Wow. She, she knew right away that this guy put his kids up to this. Good God Almighty! All right, my friend, have a fantastic day. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, boss. CNN Radio correspondent James Show on Rock One Hundred and One. UFO Portland It's the Rick Emerson show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like at 52051 or the uh, email can come in at rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. At some point before the uh, top of the hour, before 9 a.m., we have a pair of tickets to Pussifer. The show is uh, sold out. It's at the Roseland 
on November 14th. Uh, we have a pair of tickets to give away some point uh, before the end of the show. It's 503-228-4101. In just moments, we're going to talk to uh, the Portland casting director for MTV's The Real World. Tim Riley is uh, tracking the following stories for you on this Monday. More startling news by the moment on the family of the balloon boy. It looks like they were evicted from their Burbank home before moving to Colorado and left $6,000 in damage. Then he was always trying to talk people into investing in phony scientific experiments like his tornado cannon. And the former friend of Mr. Heaney says she tried to stuff toilet paper down his throat. A tornado cannon. Tornado cannon. Okay. This is a tornado cannon. It's 503-228-4101. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. That is Tuesday, October 20th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Casting directors for MTV's The Real World are going to be opening, open, uh, holding an opening casting call, open casting call, rather, at Grand Central Restaurant and Bowling Lounge, 839 Southeast Morrison, which is uh, where we did our uh, election night party back in November of 2008. Right there, Morrison, the newly revamped Grand Central Restaurant and Bowling Lounge. So if you are between the ages of 18 and 24 and you want to be on the uh, next epi- uh, season of The Real World, you uh, got to go down there to apply. Applicants have to bring a recent picture of themselves, which will not be returned. And photo ID. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show, Mr. Damon Ferberg. He is the, you are the Portland casting director or the casting director for the Portland round of the auditions for the next uh, season of The Real World. Yes, sir. Hello. And uh, hello to you. And this is, in fact, I'm just going to quiz everybody here in the room. What season do you think of The Real World this will be? In other words, what number season is this, Sarah? Mm, 18. Tim, do you have a guess how many seasons of The Real World? 20. Greg? Yeah, I was going to go with 20 as well. 24. 20. Wow. wow. 24 seasons of the real world, which... We snuck a few by you. I mean, is that... I really is just... I mean, it's amazing to think that this show has been on for so long. I mean, on the one hand, it kind of makes me feel old. On the other hand, it sort of makes me feel cool in a way that I can say that I was there a little bit at the birth of, of reality television. But with every passing season... Of the real world, does it get harder to find people who are not um, retreads of previous seasons' characters? Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, I think that's the hardest part of this job. You know, on the on the one hand, you have a, a, a show that has that kind of pedigree that this show has, but on the other hand, it's yeah. I mean, what what can we do that hasn't been done before? We have to figure that out every season. With as you get to, as the show goes on, and you get these sort of archetypes established, and uh, you know, because, probably because of my age, I go right to. Uh, the puck and yeah, you have in high school when the show started you know yeah is it me too and i remember you just seeing those characters and they were just they made such an indelible impression and you got to figure that there's x percentage of the viewing population that's sitting at home going well that's it if i ever audition i'm gonna be that guy uh you're looking for people who are this time around for people for example who are uh, facing some sort of physical challenge do you ever get people that show up to these auditions that are just flat out faking it Absolutely. Um, you know, I really caution people against doing that because uh, all, all the people that work for me on this show have been doing this for a very long time. And, and believe me, we're very good at spotting people who aren't being genuine. What do people most frequently fake when they come, up, uh, come out to a real world casting call? I think, you know, you get people that, um, you know, because they think that we're looking for, uh, you know, I don't know, really argumentative people that they'll get at the casting table and they'll start an argument over nothing and get really heated about it. Uh, if you really care about something and you get passionate about it, you know, that's fine. But I think, you know, when somebody's arguing about uh, the color of somebody else's socks, then, you know, it's not, it's not very convincing. 
Uh, we're talking to uh, Damon Ferberg. He's the, uh, the the casting director for the Portland uh, series of auditions for The Real World, which is going to be happening tomorrow. That's a Grand Central Restaurant Bowling Lounge from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Is there a... Um, is there a type that you kind of see more often than others? In other words, you, know, you get a thousand people that show up. Is there one kind of person or one sort of slice of personality that you have in abundance at these things? Well, I, I think you definitely get a, a lot of people with acting aspirations. And, you know, that's not something that we're super crazy about. It's not, um, you know, a strike against uh, you know, it's not a strong strike against people, but it's definitely something that we're, you know, that we're not really looking for because we're looking for, um, you know, people who are just going to be themselves. And I think if people come on there saying, I'm going to portray a certain role or I'm going to portray myself a certain way, that's, you know, that's not good. I was actually going to ask that if you if you allowed actors to come on the show, because I sort of assume at this point that probably because there are so many reality shows on and there's therefore by by you know reflexively therefore there are fewer scripted shows that a lot of actors have probably turned to reality TV as uh, you know as their vehicle for getting on television somehow well, I mean, just, you know, look at all of the, you know, celebrity-driven reality shows that are out there now, you know, that you have people who are who are established actors who are crossing back into that genre, you know? When you look back at the previous seasons of The Real World, what characters, uh, you know, what personalities do you see that really, in your opinion, embody what that show is all about? Everybody's kind of got their favorite season or their favorite characters, but is there somebody that really just jumps out of your memories like, that is what the show is really, you know, it's the, it's the embodiment of this program. Well, I, you know, I, I have to say, and oddly enough, that bo- both of these people are from the San Francisco season. Um, you know, I think that the two people that, that everybody remembers are Puck and Pedro. Right. And I think that they embodied the show in two very different ways. You know, I think that I think that Pedro embodied the show in terms of, um, you know, being somebody that I think really raised the social consciousness of, you know, everybody that saw that show. And Puck embodied it in terms of being the, you know, like fun, free-spirited, and yet, you know, sometimes a little too over-the-top kind of, you know, big personality. That's such a polite way to put that. You're, you're much more polite than any of us here because... Well, you know, I don't want him to come find me. <laughs> I he, The thing about watching... I mean, I just have to say, there's just a slice of editorial observation here. Whenever I saw Puck, I just felt like I had to go bathe. I just, he just, it was like he was coated in a thin sheen of grease all the time. I, it was like he had just been sprayed with some. I think he was happy to admit that fact. I, I just remember, I remember watching that and just in the, in the, in the apparently hypnotic effect he had on women on that show and myself being kind of a spotty, unpleasant, gangly adolescent. Just being sort of angry and jealous and mystified and flummoxed. I mean, it was all mixed together. What a weird guy he was. It didn't give you hope for the future. No, I I mean, I guess in a way I thought, well, I mean, I guess if girls like him, there is, you know, there's still a chance for me. But it was, it, I think it just underscored that I was never, ever, ever going to understand how the female mind operated. That they would look at Puck and go, yeah, that's a guy I should take my clothes off for. It made no sense. Speaking of which, I don't know if this is an urban legend or not, but somebody told me that, uh, at a certain point, anyway, if you wanted to be a cast member on the real world, that you had to do, you know, a full physical and everything, but that, that also included STD testing. Is that true? You know, it, it all, we don't talk too much about, like, what the behind-the-scenes stuff is. I mean, there are some reality shows that do that. Um, you know, it, it, it all just depends on the show. So, Well, we'll leave it at that, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> have you... Um, have you seen the nature of the applicants for the real world change over the years as reality TV has become more widespread? 
Well, you know, I, I think, and you know, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but I mean, I think that um, you've had two things happen. You know, I mean, I think that you have a uh, you know a generation of of kids who are, and I just said kids, I can't believe that, but um, you know, who are more used to sharing their lives, you know, because we've got Facebook and Twitter and right. all that kind of stuff. But then, by the same token, you have a generation of of people who are who are more media savvy and and more interested in controlling the way that they present themselves. So it's it's kind of a you know double edged sword, I think. So the casting call is going to be tomorrow. It's a Grand Central Restaurant and Bowling Lounge, eight thirty nine Southeast Morrison, uh, from eleven a.m. to five p.m. Obviously, people uh, got to bring a picture of themselves, which you know you guys are going to keep uh, photo ID. And, uh, you know, they've got to be between the ages of 18 and 24 as of tomorrow when they apply. I was, I've been at a couple things like this, and it's astonishing the number of people who show up and think that, like, all of the rules you lay out don't apply to them somehow. Uh, they will, you know, they'll show up and they'll have no idea, they'll have no photo or whatever, and they'll kind of go, well, I know, but can't you? And they'll kind of bat their eyelashes and think, you know, you just let me in. What else do people really need to know about tomorrow if they want to come turn out for this thing? You know, I mean, I just got to jump back to what we said at the beginning. You know, I mean, besides, obviously, you know, show up with your ID and your photo, I, I think that the most important thing for people to do is, you know, don't don't bring an act. You know, just be yourself. And, uh, you know, ultimately, that's what we're going to find out about you anyway. So it's better we, we find that out right off the bat. And then the 24th season of The Real World, now, do you guys, has it, it hasn't been announced sort of like where this will be taking place, right? Or is that a thing that... Uh is that a thing that is still to be determined, or has it been determined, but it hasn't been revealed? Can you tell us? It hasn't been determined yet, and it's actually pretty typical um, because we do our job about three months ahead of, you know, when the producers, you know, obviously start producing the show. So usually we're finding out what the city is kind of right around when we're locking the cast. And, you know, if we're lucky, we find out soon enough that we get to spring it on them in their final interview and see what they think. Excellent. And actually, and I have to ask this, and, you know, I don't want anybody to, you know, I don't want anybody to feel like they have to say well, the answer is portland rick but i mean i gotta figure there's cities where just i don't want to say the crazies but where just you get a huge you get a very unusual swath of people to turn out where i mean we're just the people who come out are uh you know where they're you know where they're kind of marching at their own drummer and i mean portland has a little bit of that but i mean there's certain cities that are notorious uh for people uh auditioning for things you know where you get a weird stripe of people I mean, definitely, you know, and uh, there's a lot of West Coast, uh, you know, and certainly some Pacific Northwest cities that are like that. But I mean, I think that, I mean, you find eccentric people everywhere you go, which is which is great, you know. But I mean, I think uh, part of the reason why we go to so many cities for this show is because we're we're looking for that. We're looking for uniqueness and diversity, and you know, the most different from each other, you know, seven or eight people that we can possibly find. Yeah, you know, here's why how I can tell that you're a fan fantastic casting director because i'm throwing all these questions at you and even the ones you're not answering it sounds like you're answering uh, and you're you're doing it like matrix Am I being evasive? no it's but it's like a neo in the matrix kind of a way where you're sort of like leaning back and going, and the bullets are going by you exactly you're what my questions are just sort of spinning by you and you emerge unscathed but like in a beautiful balladic way so well done sir i'll be direct people in portland are a little eccentric and we love it awesome thank you <laughs> the casting call is tomorrow grand central restaurant bowling lounge 839 southeast Morrison from 11 a.m. Uh, to 5 p.m. You can find that more information at KUFO.com. Damon, thank you for spending time with us. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much. All right, take thank care. you. And right now, we will take the first five callers at 503-228-4101. 503 
Two two eight four one zero one. The first five callers. Now you got to meet all these other requirements. You got to be between eighteen and twenty four. Photo ID. All that. And of course, you got to be available at some point tomorrow. Uh, the next five callers at five zero three two two eight four one zero one are going to get passes to jump the line for the real world casting call that happens tomorrow. Let's you uh, go more or less to the front of the line, relatively speaking. Anyway, the next five callers at five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Straight ahead. News from Tim Riley coming up at eight forty five. Alice Cooper. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Coming up at 845, Mr. Alice Cooper will be uh, here on the program. It is 829 a.m. This time check delivered to you by Cooney BMW's 29-minute fast and free service. Performance has an address, Cooney BMW. Listen to that post hitting. That's how you know you're a pro, Tim. You made it seem so easy. Well, it's an effortless kind of skill. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. And in, uh, I don't know, about the 25 minutes we're going to give you the... Uh, News on the updating of KUFO's half-off sales. You'll be listening for that. That'll update this coming Friday. We'll uh, tell you a little bit about what that's going to be in about 25 minutes. And some point between now and 9 a.m., a pair of tickets to see Pussifer, which is a sold-out show at the Roseland on November 14th. We'll be giving those away sometime within the next half hour. So be listening uh, for that. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, it is 8.30. It's going to be partly cloudy today. Highs only in the mid-50s. So here's what we know about the Balloon family. They stayed in a motel Saturday night so the cops could go through their house. Apparently they found a document saying that they were offered money for their story from one of the networks. It doesn't say how big it is. Then a woman who claims to be a former storm chaser and co-worker and former friend of Richard Heaney said he's extremely clever, but she had to quit. Uh, because during an episode of Wife Swap, he, quote, attacked me and shoved toilet paper down my throat. The cameraman had to pull him off me. I thought, this is too over the top at that moment. I felt he was no longer acting, unquote. The family left California because they were deep in debt. Since then, they lived in uh, Fort Collins. Mr. Heaney was uh, a contractor, actually, when he wasn't pretending to be a scientist or a meteorologist. And his wife owned a film company, which was called... Me, you, me. I'll and play on a first name. Don't you think that also, this is just my read on him. This is my take as, uh, just an observation. My take as an editorialist protected by the First Amendment. Don't you think that he's one of those guys that is constantly pissed off that the rest of the world doesn't recognize his genius? They'll all, they'll pay someday. They'll see. Totally. He, he is that guy, right? He's the mad scientist. They called me crazy when I told them about my electroflux device. Now who's laughing? You know, but it's but it's just a but but it's just a balloon. <laughs> like it's not even. And it's I wonder only if, a balloon. Can you could you picture this too? Can you? It's just I'm imagining this to be the case. I'm not saying this was the case. Can you just picture a whole series of angry exchanges between him and the, the Mayumi or whatever, Mrs. Heaney, and all the little Heenies? When they would call it a balloon, and he'd go, flying saucer! they go, I'm, I'm sorry, Def, flying saucer. That's right. I mean, it's just sort of a Bluthian kind of a thing happening there. So, apparently, he imagined his children as kind of a Jackson 5 act, but uh-huh. this would only be the, uh, the Heaney 3. They put together this rap song about not being pussified. <laughs> Don't hold 
children being beaten on on microphone? Because that's what it sounds like here. What? I. What? They're singing about not being pussified. Are they, how do you know that? How is it you are able That's to, how to discern is, that? That is how it is described. Okay, you know, I, I have mean, only your word to take on this, so... I mean, this from the dad who who um, kept that video complaining about Britney's fake boobs. I know people that think that I want to talk about that are fake and real. This bothers me to me. Like Britney Spears, she was a cute young lady, right? Really talented. Well, some people beg to differ. But the point is... She had it made. She's on stage. She looks great. And then next thing you know, uh, I think she gets some fake boobs. And that part, I don't know. Fake or real. The point is women who go get the fake boobs. I mean, there's too many of them. Really? And then he complains about women in makeup. One thing that gets me is uh, women in makeup. Women in makeup. You don't see men wearing makeup, okay? Wow. I mean, to me, it's like, uh, you know, they're putting on some kind of clown face. Because he's all man, he understands exactly what it's like to be a... He understands how to be a masculine role model. Jesus, God Almighty. All right, well, speaking of <laughs> being pussified, this is a uh, good chance, ladies and uh, gentle folk, to give away our pair of tickets to see Pussifer at the Roseland. And it's November 14th. You'll get to see Maynard James Keenan in a performance unlike any other. Cabaret, comedy, performance, art, rock, you name it. It'll be happening at the Roseland November 14th. It is sold out, but a second show just added November 16th, and tickets for that show available now at TicketsWest.com. So call or 10 right now at 503 228 Four one zero one. We'll get to see Pussifer at uh, their uh, sold out show. It's happening the fourteenth. Coming up next, Alice Cooper, ladies and gentlemen, plus a final visit to Tim Riley at the news desk. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock one hundred one KUFO. Broadcasting in low definition. Are you just going to let the bleed out? The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 and KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. And I will say that in a sense, uh, kind of since the very first moment uh, that I was on the radio, from the first moment I sat behind a microphone, you can say that uh, every step I have taken subsequent to that has sort of uh, led us to here. Um, at the age of 14, I found myself in a Goodwill thrift store. Uh, in my hometown of, uh, of Kennewick, Washington. And there were no used record stores as such. There was no uh, rock radio. There was just uh, MTV, and there was Top 40. And that was about it. But in this thrift store, I found this vinyl record. And the sound on this vinyl record, I think, forever changed the way that I view music and entertainment and, and myself and the entertainment that I do. 
And uh, this record, it was a compilation, and it featured the song I Never Cry uh, by uh, a man who is uh, beyond legend, beyond influence, beyond uh, definitive. You just heard his new single, Keeping Halloween Alive. It's available via iTunes. You can find out more about it at AliceCooper.com. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. The one, the only, Mr. Alice Cooper. Hello, sir. How are you today? Oh, sure, Rick. Blame it all on me. <laughs> it's, you, uh, for better or worse, you made me You made me everything I am, so my mother has you to blame. I, I, I have a lot to do with your juvenile delinquency, right? I have to tell you that one of my enduring adolescent memories um, is coming home, and she didn't she didn't break the records actually it was almost like they were set, it was like almost a first strike like the records were set carefully in the trash i came home and my copy of alice cooper goes to hell was sitting there in the trash can and i rescued them and i took them all back all my alice cooper records back inside and i hid them under the bed and i made sure that they were in a place it was sort of like in the back cave where you pull the book out and the uh, you know the bookcase moved so she couldn't find them anymore but it was yeah you were not tremendously popular with uh, with my mother at that time although she did come I think around i at the time that was the idea uh you know even though when you look back at those records now and you listen to them there was nothing on them that was any parent could couldn't agree with I mean, here was Alice in hell trying to talk his way out, you know. Well, uh, he was not making a deal with the devil. He was trying to con the devil. Alice was always, there was a strange morality uh, play always happening with Alice Cooper, where he would do these, on stage sometimes, these horrible things, but then, of course, would have to be punished at the end. There was always a good triumph in, in, in kind of a perverse way. You know, in every single piece of literature, movie, or play you've ever seen, the the villain never wins, or it's not a satisfying thing. Even me, I mean, of course, I wanted to see Darth Vader win, you know. But if he would have won, I would have felt, oh, that's not very good. He's supposed to get it in the end, you know. I don't care if you go to Shakespeare or anything. They, you know, the the bad guy's always got to get it. And since I took on the role of the villain of Rock's villain, then I realized, well, in the new show, they kill me four times. <laughs> They just realized they could. They cut my head off. They hang me. They put a giant hypodermic needle through me. They, I mean, and I just keep coming back. You are, in a sense, um, you know, rocks, rocks, preeminent uh, villain, and I mean that in the best possible ways. You know, and you're a huge film fan as well. Did the character of Alice come from anyone in particular? Was he modeled on uh, the component parts of of film villains or anybody, or did that just come out of your subconscious? There was a couple characters that that I did uh, sort of like, I always thought that Alice should be sleek and black. You know, he should always look like that. And when I saw Barbarella, the movie Barbarella, there was this character, the, the Black Queen, and she was, she was wearing this all black leather, and switchblades would come out of her wrists. And I went, okay, that's Alice right there. And then when I saw Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, you know, Betty Davis was 85 or 90 years old, and she was trying to look like a little girl with the black makeup smeared on with a white pasty makeup. I said, that's Alice Cooper. So I put those two together. And there's a real aggressive sense of, I mean, you're, the new single we just uh, heard there, Keeping Halloween Alive, is it's classic in the sense that it's, it's aggressive, but it's got this real sense of um, maniacal glee to it. And do you, that, I think, is what set Alice Cooper apart Early on, that there is this streak of of this streak of sort of arched eyebrow, um, uh, nefarious fun to it. Well, you know, and, and it always should be that. Uh, I, I always thought of Halloween as being nothing more. 
than dressing up and getting candy. On my block in Detroit when I was a kid, if you didn't have three shopping bags full of candy, you weren't even trying. And that's what it was all about. Later on, everybody started taking it very seriously about that it was, uh, you know, this whole ancient... Uh, Pagan thing, and I'm going. Oh, come on! Right, you were supposed to be hanging out at Stonehenge with Nigel Tufnell. Yeah, I, come on! It's it's you, you dress up and you go out and get candy. That that's always what it's been about. Yeah. You know, uh, if you want to go that far, uh, Easter's a pagan holiday, also. I mean, I'm Christian, and Easter is a fertility right, a pagan fertility right. And you, and you have always channeled all of that stuff through this kind of all-American, I think you called it an all-American sickness, uh, especially the original Alice Cooper band, where it was sort of all of these, the, these sort of great fun dark sides of the American character, and then blown up Vegas style and showered back onto the audience. Well, yeah, I mean, I've always seen Alice's vaudeville. Uh, as some sort of strange vaudevillian character that is indefinable. You know, if you if you go to, you know, the circus, you know, and uh, the old time circus, there was the shows, the shows, and then there was that sideshow. Right, right. Well, you're almost and like Alice a, was always that sideshow, almost like a cabaret MC kind of figure. Right. You know, in fact, when I saw this uh, previews for this new movie, uh, The Vampire's Assistant, you know. I'm watching the previews, and I'm going, wow, that's very Alice Cooper right there. <laughs> We're talking to Alice Cooper, and you, you've mentioned so much the division between Alice Cooper, the man, the father, the husband, and Alice Cooper, the character. And when you were... When you were battling alcoholism, you, you would, you'd actually had it pointed out to you that the character of Alice, the onstage persona, didn't drink, wasn't afflicted with that addiction, was just steel strong all the time. And it was kind of only offstage that you had the, the challenge, the problem. Do you think that the alter ego, the character of Alice in some way uh, kept you alive? I think the, the thing about it was, was I, when I went to the psychiatrist about the drinking problem, it was, he was the one that brought it out. He says, how much do you drink? And I said, I drink all day, you know. And he says, so you, you drink when you're Alice and you drink on stage. And I was going, well, no, I don't. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I never drink on stage. He says, so you never drink when you're working, right? He says, you never drink when you're Alice. No. He says, so Alice doesn't drink. Alice is straight. And I had to admit, I said, yeah, you're right. I, he says, so it's not the monster that's the problem, it's the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dr. Frankenstein, not the monster. Speaking and it was right. I mean, it was absolutely right. So, I mean, I haven't had a drink now in 28 years, and uh, and now the character Alice, it's almost like Benjamin Button. When I was 30, I felt like I was 60. Now I'm 60, I feel like I'm 30. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that when you hear the vitality of that record, I mean, I feel like I'm 30 years old again, so... That's why you're getting records now for me that are really high-energy rock and roll records. And I have to say that just the, you know, the last few, the eyes of Alice Cooper and Dirty Diamonds and the last few records are really just, you know, it's just this sort of great fist in the face, but in this kind of joyous, exuberant way. And you can sense, again, the, the sense of theatricality. Do you think, and you've done movies, obviously, in the Wayne's World, also things like Monster Dog. Uh, in, <laughs> in, a, in a parallel world, do you think you might have been an actor? Oh, I, I would have definitely either been a writer or an actor, or you know, because there there was no way I wasn't going to be an entertainer of some sort. My parents knew that when I was five. You know, uh, it's like my daughter's like that too. When my daughter was like ten, I realized she could talk her way out of a sunburst. You know, <laughs> uh, and she's now an actress and a comedian, and you know, and there was just no way of ever 
for not being that. Uh, well, my wife was a, a professional ballerina and worked, you know, on stage for 30 years. And that's all I've ever done in my whole life. So the first kid coming along was definitely going to be in show business. <laughs> the uh, the new single, Keeping Halle- uh, Halloween Alive, is available uh, via iTunes. You can find out more about it um, at alicecooper.com. Also, you can uh, enter the Cooperoki uh, contest. And uh, there's uh, going to be three winners. Have their videos posted on alicecooper.com, as well as some cash prizes. Final question is, as we wrap this up. You're such an aficionado of horror and the macabre and all of that, and we're coming up on Halloween. What is your... What does Alice Cooper watch when he wants to be scared? What is your all-time favorite horror film? Well, you know, the funny thing is is that horror movies really don't scare you that much. Um, it, it, now, I think that if I really want to get creeped out, I watch Ghost Hunters. Because there's a lot of the stuff on Ghost Hunters that's unexplainable. You know, these guys get out there and they go into these places and they're trying to disprove that there's anything paranormal going on. And every once in a while, they come up with something, and they just go, what was that? Right. You know, and if you're sitting all alone in your house, I don't care who you are, and you go up to your bedroom, you're sitting there going, uh. <laughs> and you're just hearing the house make odd noises, and you're going, I can't explain yeah, you that. You don't have any control over it. With horror movies, you realize it's written, it's produced. Even this new paranormal activity movie, you know, which is supposedly like the Blair Witch thing, which is a real videotape. I mean... Everybody knows that it's written and, you know, produced and everything. But you buy into it just for the fact that you can, it's fun to be scared. Uh, Alice Cooper, the new single is Keeping Halloween Alive. You can find out more about that at alicecooper.com. And the single can be purchased at iTunes. And uh, as we wrap this up, I will end it the way I began it. Just, uh, you know, as a guy who spent a long, long time, uh, you know, uh, various points of my life listening to that music. And I still do. I just want to thank you for being out there and doing it. And uh, best of continued success in all things, my friend. It's been a, it's well, been a real honor. Well, I can almost guarantee you we're bringing the, uh, we're bringing the uh, Theater of Death tour up there to Portland next year. Because... Uh, we go on the second year to all the places we didn't go the first year. Excellent. So uh, we'll be up there, and you'll have to come back and be a guest zombie with us. We'll see you then, my friend. Thank you so much. Right. Alice Cooper, best of all continued success, sir. Thank Bye-bye. you. All right, there you go. All right, that is uh, Alice Cooper, ladies and gentlemen, as we head into these uh, couple weeks before Halloween. All right. Well, I can check ever. that off the list of things I need to do before I die. You owe Greg a big, big bottle. Seriously, of yes. <laughs> what is your uh, What is your preferred brand of whiskey, Greg? I think we'll go with Jameson. <laughs> Jameson. All right. Jameson whiskey. One Greg. Must Nibbler. he consume that while he works? Yes. Yes, you must drink part of it while you're on the uh, on the air. So there you go. All right. All right. Awesome. And, uh, you know, and you know, Alice doesn't drink anymore. So you can drink for two. You can drink for you and Alice. Excellent. All right, there you go. Alice Cooper, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, if you're listening right now, we're having some podcast issues. So people have uh, been emailing, texting about that. We know that there are uh, some uh, glitchiness happening with the podcast right now. So we're going to get that taken care of. Don't call him yet, Greg. It's not his fault. He's uh, doing the best he can over there. He's uh, a little bit overmatched technically today. So... Uh, so we want to thank uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop for joining us today. Also, uh, Mr. Damon Ferberg, he's doing the um, a casting call for The Real World, which is happening tomorrow from 11 to 5 at Grand Central Bowl. Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian and our new best friend, Alice Cooper, uh, with whom we just spoke. That'll be up at uh, KUFO.com later on. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Don Taylor from Movies.com, also Dax Holt from TMZ, and oh, for the love of God. I don't know. Uh, the um, somebody else. Somebody very important. Uh, you know, Alice Cooper has knocked everything out of my brain. <laughs> That's it. I got it's nothing. It's all a wash. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom. Tim Riley, 
On the phones, Greg Nibbler, the gatekeeper, Dave's in the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, uh, and now for broadcasting marketing guru, Susan Donoff with me, Reynolds, executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. Coming up next, Smells Like the 90s with our good friend, Buzz, and Court and Fatboy this afternoon, 3 to 7. My name is Rick Emerson. It is Monday, October 19th, 2009, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. KUFO Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.